0: Welcome in, everybody. It's Wednesday, 1107 AM. Apologies for the slight delay. I'm not going to th- throw Matt under the bus. Don't worry. I definitely won't say that we're late because of him at all. Don't want you to worry about that. I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs>
1: that, that's fair. I almost lost an <laughs> AirPod to the, uh, to the washing machine, so uh, it was worth the delay on my end, and, and I'll take full responsibility for that.
0: It's all good, man. It's all good. <laughs> no, nothing's falling apart just yet. Well, kind of, uh, make sure you can hear us, okay. Make sure you can see us, okay. Drop a comment in in the YouTube uh, comments to make sure you can see us and hear us just fine. Uh, for those that are on Twitter Spaces, welcome in, everybody. Very exciting uh, deep dive with uh, Matt Smith. So Matt Smith, for those that are not familiar, he is a um, he works at Good Soil with Emmett Peppers, which is a. Uh, can, can you give us a little bit of background on on Good Soil, Matt?
1: Yeah, so so Good Soil is a hedge fund. Um, we have a you know kind of a charitable aspect to to our whole thing. So half of our fees, net of expenses, uh, we we donate to charity. So w- when Emmett founded uh, Good Soil, you know he he had done really well on investing in Tesla and had a very aggressive strategy. And you know didn't want to just have investing and, and starting a hedge fund for the sake of getting more money. He wanted to um, really promote capitalism for good, which is kind of kind of his mantra. So you know kind of in in the the wave of kind of rising socialism um, that, that he was seeing and, and that I, I certainly uh, was seeing as well. Uh, he wanted to say, okay, what's like the most capitalist thing you can do it's hedge funds. How can we kind of change the perspectives of that to be like, okay, capitalism is a good system economically, but it, but it can also be used for a greater good overall. So that's why Emmett founded uh, Good Soil. Um, you know, it, it focuses on kind of uh, very high risk strategies, uh, so, so strategies that didn't pay off in 2022. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's a little bit about us. And, and I've actually just recently started uh, working for Bradford Ferguson as well at Halter Ferguson. So I'm doing some kind of um, consulting work with him on some some equity research reports. So he just posted the first one on a company called Air Test Systems recently. Uh, working on another one for Tesla for him right now that uh, should be publishing in a couple weeks. Uh, and we're going to do a, a real deep dive on uh, on energy in that one too. So looking forward to that.
0: Dang, dude, you're hustling. You're out there getting. Friggin- and you got seventeen thousand kids. I mean, my goodness.
1: I, I'm trying to have as many kids and jobs as Elon has. You know, that,
0: that's,
1: <laughs> that, 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 You're catching that, up. That's what motivates me.
0: <laughs> what a role model! I love it. Perfect. <laughs> um, so, so Matt, Matt and I have known each other for a little while now. Met him in person multiple times. He's uh, he's just great. He's just a great human being and somebody I really enjoy talking to. But really. Uh, selfishly, we're going to have Matt today, not because he's a good guy, but because he has a ton of experience in the energy sector. Uh, He did have uh, a job in the past in the energy uh, sector. Do you want us a little bit on what you uh, let us know a little bit what that job was and sort of your experience?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'll go like at a a high level. Um, So my, my, like, I started off my career just in finance valuation and investment banking. I was always like a finance nerd, uh, but moved into like a corporate job in an in, uh, electric utility, so spent a couple of years working with the utility. If you think automotive companies are slow, oh my goodness you've got no idea what it's like working for a regulated electric utility, so <laughs> I want to make sure we do a little bit of a detour into some of that business model at some point uh, during this conversation for sure um, but after that i uh, I I really like the energy space, but I wanted a little bit more fast paced environment. So I moved to um, what's called an independent power producer, an IPP, which is like a non-regulated power generation company. Um, So, so there uh, I was responsible for like finance. I was doing like the um, FP&A financial planning and analysis for this, this fleet of power plants. And then while I was there, they, they made the decision to kind of invest aggressively in renewables. So, um, I was working on like the business development, uh, kind of like financial analysis of adding new wind farms to our, uh, to our fleet of, of power generating assets and kind of what does that financial profile look like? What are the trade-offs? Um, and then once that project, uh, moved into operations, they tapped me to actually lead the, the whole kind of wind side of, of our, of our business. So I went from like financial analysis, kind of business development, um, project finance, working with banks and that sort of thing to... Like actually overseeing the people that work there, and and they can doing the community relations, government reporting, um, all the kind of ongoing you know um, project finance calculations that they needed to submit to the bank, uh, and then we grew the fleet from there. So uh, added another large wind plant in Texas, and uh, ended up taking over a couple of biomass plants as well. So yeah, really went from like a finance background to like a operations uh, role. So that that was what I was doing when when I left and. Started a a channel actually a YouTube channel focused on Tesla energy it was my first kind of step away from no so that. no shit Spark Spread oh do you not know about that yeah no yeah uh, Spark, Spark Spread like, oh we're gonna we're gonna rate this two channel, years bro. ago uh, started this channel. Because uh, it was like a hole I saw in the community, like nobody understood energy, so I started this this YouTube channel called uh, Tesla Energy, or called uh, Spark Spread. There's uh, a Tesla Energy 101 video, which, which is like a, a good overview of some of the opportunities and like the industry in general. And then I did a uh, Energy as a Service, which is kind of focused on like the ancillary services opportunity in the long run. So no kidding.
0: Dude, the last video you had was a year ago. You got to keep up with your content, bro. If you're going to be a YouTuber, you got to you gotta start cranking. Uh, I realized I didn't,
1: didn't want to be a YouTuber. Like, it got to the <laughs> point where, like, I, I I always liked the stuff that, like, Everyday Astronaut did, like, super technical, yeah. you know, but, like, trying to, like, bring He's it so down. Good. He's so good at that. But so, like, yeah. that's what I, I thought the community really needed. And then I realized, like, I just, like, I suck at, like, doing these takes. So I would, like, spend so much time like trying to like read these scripts and like and I was like stumbling over myself and <laughs> I and so I, I just realized that that wasn't for me um but I, I've obviously been interested in that ever since
0: that's fantastic so so based on your job experience would you say that you're that you're intimately familiar with the cost structure of a, of a typical utility nowadays would you think that's that that's a fair statement
1: yeah. I mean, so I'm a couple of years removed and the market has like, I was talking to uh, a guy that I used to work with who is a, a um, part owner of one of our power plants um, that, and, and like the market's just gone crazy with like the inflation and, and you know, with, with natural gas prices and with power prices. So some things have certainly changed in the last couple of years, but yeah, like I, I'm, it's definitely fair to say that I'm familiar with like the, you know, uh, the purchase decisions that, that, um, either an independent power producer or an electric utility w- will make and kind of what they need to prove, you know, by who and like, why would they choose a battery over some other things? Um, cause I, I've been in all those, you know, meeting rooms where they, they discuss those. And, uh, so yeah, happy to, happy to dive into that.
0: Gotcha. Awesome. So so yeah, let's, let's start the deep dive. So obviously, uh, a lot of the people watching this channel uh, are familiar with Tesla. They're familiar with Tesla energy. That's becoming a very big topic as of late. Actually, on the Twitter space, uh, I see Gary Black has joined us. Thank you very much for joining us. Gary is a listener. Uh, we'll try to pull you in as a speaker maybe towards the end and figure out how to do that. But yeah. Um, Gary is somebody that covers Tesla and is starting to turn around the the, the Tesla energy story as he's sort of deep, uh, you know, has done a little bit more deep dive and starting to focus on that. So thank you, Gary, for doing that diligent work. But Matt, this is something you've really been doing for uh, that you've been looking at for a long time. So maybe give us a high level um, overview of. Of what you think of tesla energy what you, what do you think of this tesla mega pack which is becoming a, a, a very big sort of talking point as of late in the last few weeks and maybe we can turn that into a deep dive okay so why is this a potentially a big thing for tesla how does this disrupt the utility companies what kind of benefits does it bring potentially to utilities and the consumer um yeah so start high level and then we'll deep dive yeah
1: yeah sure so um you know this this for me you know the the size of the opportunity um really was made apparent at um at battery day when, when they were talking about like the trying to get to three terawatt hours of, of um you know uh of battery capacity by 2030 which to be clear i, I don't think they will but even even the fact that they're like they have the ambitions to get to to that level is just kind of crazy so then if, if you do the math which i did on, on one of those tesla energy videos uh from from my old channel Roughly half of that seems to be allocated to automotive. So like 20 million uh, cars would be about one and a half terawatt hours. Uh, So that implies that there's one and a half terawatt hours of of stationary storage uh, that Tesla would be deploying per year, which is just like, that's a huge amount. Um, So like for comparison, last quarter, Tesla did 2.1 gigawatt hours. Um, So a terawatt hour is a thousand gigawatt hours. So like they're they're targeting to roughly like 1000x it's not quite that much because you know I, it's two and in, in a quarter so uh maybe like 300x the the st- stationary storage business by you know 2030 just on the hardware side and then versus where we that,
0: are today 300x versus yeah. where we are today okay
1: yeah yeah i mean rough this is all kind of like roughly because it depends sure. and it's been lumpy um but like they, they've it, crazy scale ambitions. So when I was doing the math, I was like, okay, well, that's like, what does that revenue stream even look like? So, you know, I kind of did that and, and showed how that would actually be really comparable to the size of the automotive business. Um, but the thing that I was always skeptical of uh, was was the margins. Um, so, you know, I was kind of thinking that you know, they go from where they were two years ago, which was like roughly zero, you know, they kept, they've kind of bounced around on the energy side from like 5% to positive five. The last two quarters, they've been at 11 and 9%, I think, respectively on, on the energy gross margin side. So yeah. you're starting to see a pickup there, which, which is really nice to see. Um, but you know, it's I've always been skeptical that they could even get to 25% gross margins. I thought that was possible in, in the really long term. Um, but just just with kind of my background on on Pricing out these these you know energy assets, it's the the economics are not as much of a slam dunk I think as, as people think they are. Uh, so the, I was always kind of skeptical on Tesla's pricing power uh, for that reason. But things have really changed a lot on that front too. So so we'll get into that as well. Uh, so so the the kind of scale of Tesla's ambitions at a, at a very high level are just so huge um, that you know if they're even successful getting halfway to their one and a half terawatt hours, it's going to be a massive business. Um, but I think what we're seeing now, which is super exciting, and, and I think most people are probably familiar with is Lathrop ramping. Um, and and it seems like now is like this, this kind of zero to one moment on, on the energy side.
0: Got it. So, so maybe contextualize for us the 300 X potential. This is a, a sort of like we're, you know, we're not sure if this is the case. This is based on a projection that Elon has given at Battery Day, and we all know Elon is phenomenal. If you're listening to this, Elon, thank you very much for listening to this. But uh, we know that sometimes he might be a little too big in the in the long term, especially. But um, let's even say it's 150x or even 100x, right? Let's take it down from where he thinks he's at, at, at a <laughs> fraction. What sort of, uh, so what is what does that mean from a revenue perspective? Uh, what does it mean from a potential net income perspective? Can you contextualize that for us a little bit?
1: yeah so i'm really bad at like um on the fly math but let's try it anyways and (laughs) just correct correct me if if i'm wrong so so if he gets it
0: wrong make sure you shit on matt go ahead
1: (laughs) (laughs) so um you know the 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 Pricing power. So let's let's like contextualize just like um, en- energy units. So most things are, are quoted in like dollars per kilowatt hour. So that's like pricing. So energy right now is is roughly er, uh, battery storage right now is roughly priced at five hundred dollars per kilowatt hour. A little bit more than that, I think actually, depending on on um, like if if you buy one mega pack from Tesla, it's more expensive than if you buy like a hundred, obviously. Uh, but let's let's use you know five hundred dollars per kilowatt hour just for some rough math. And sorry, that's um, five
0: hundred dollars per kilowatt hour specific to Tesla. Uh, energy, correct?
1: No, well, or well, I mean industry. that that is, but it's also kind of like an industry-wide thing. Um, okay. So there's there are some some uh, good charts that Chuck tweeted in the past from NREL, the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, that kind of give a breakdown of what are the costs. So if it costs a customer five hundred dollars per kilowatt hour to deploy some stationary storage, you know, uh, how much of, of that is the cells? Um, that go into the pack? How much of that is like the balance of plant, like racking and inverters? How much of that is like the EPC costs, engineering, procurement, and construction costs? Um, You know, how much of that is, you know, a couple of the other components that that go into there. So you can kind of stack it all up, uh, look at the various components and say, okay, well, you know, there's not a whole lot of margins to be made here. Um, So, but but Tesla, yeah, they're they're pricing right now at around $500 per kilowatt hour. Um, So gigawatt hours is a thousand kilowatt hours. And then terawatt hours, which is Tesla's ambition, is a thousand gigawatt hours. So, so you're talking about like a factor of a million to go from kilowatt hours to terawatt hours. Um, but let, let's keep it at gigawatt hours just, just to, to make the math a little bit easier. Um, or so actually, I, I messed that up. So it's kilowatt hours, megawatt hours, gigawatt hours, and then terawatt hours. So it's it's a um, thousand um, million to go from kilowatt to, to terawatt. Um, okay. um or a billion. So, uh, so 500 kilowatt hour price times, let's say Tesla's ambitions are, are, you know, one and a half terawatt hours, but let's cut that in a third. So, so now you're talking about 500, uh, gigawatt hours instead. So that's, that would be, um, so here's where the math gets, so, (laughs) so $500 times, um, a A third of a billion, a third of a, of a billion units. Yeah. So, so let's, wh- wh- let me pull the calculator. Okay. So, three, 500 times 333,
0: 333, 333, right? A third of a billion and a half? What was it? A third of a billion?
1: Um, You're supposed to be doing that Yeah, math th- a also, third of a right? uh, – well, well okay. it was – right, I'm, I'm going to do the math on mine because <laughs> so I'm not following your logic. So, uh, 500 – Times uh, I'm just going to do 500, and then it'll be denominated in millions. So that's 250 billion dollars of revenue potential. If if um, which which seems like that's the right order of magnitude. Um, so 500 kilowatt hours times um, you know 500 gigawatt hour or 500 dollars per kilowatt hour times 500 gigawatt hours is 250 billion dollars of revenue potential. Now I, I think they're going to have to cut prices in order to to scale to that level. Um, so, but you know. Even, even if they did cut them in half, you're still talking in the hundreds of billions of dollars range. Um, and, and I absolutely believe that like, this is where the economy is headed. headed. Uh, this, is, this is just gonna be a good thing for the planet. This is gonna be a good thing economically. Um, and so uh, it's, it's just a huge opportunity. And, and Tesla's in pole position right now, at least among the, the kind of US battery producers. Um, and, and the US is like the prime market to be right now because of the IRA.
0: Got it. So, so let me recap that uh, for my small brain. So it's roughly $250 billion in revenue at a $500 per kilowatt hour rate, if we assume that's the case, based on a third of Elon's, what is it, 10-year projections? Is, he kind of went yeah, 10 years it, in it the future? Yeah, it was like his
1: 23rd. So I think in 2020 was Battery Day, if, if my memory's right. And, and it was his 10-year projection of uh, one and a half terawatt hours by 2030 was, was kind of what he was saying. So if you assume, yeah, they only get, you know, a third of that, that's 500 gigawatt hours. um, And and so that'd be, you know, $250 billion of revenue.
0: Got it. So uh, based on a third of of Elon's projections, so that that $250 billion of revenue. So how, how are you thinking about the margin from that business? And maybe we'll we'll start talking about some of the data points we're pulling together today. So how do you think about that margin from, from that business?
1: Yeah so so what what Tesla has said in the past and and, you know this is something James Stevenson has you know brought back up recently is is that they're they were targeting uh the types of margins that they've um that they have in the automotive side. So so that was the the number that was always in in my head is you know 25% gross margin on that which is still you know freaking phenomenal, right? So you know you're still talking about like uh uh, again, math here, but um, like somewhere in the seventy-five billion-dollar range of of gross profit, you know, if, if they can kind of scale to to that level, which is a miss from their own tar- from their own, um, um, you know, uh, like scaling levels. So to me, that was that was kind of like the, the size of the opportunity and why, you know, in, in the long run, I, I was really optimistic about Tesla Energy. Uh, but obviously, it's going to take a long time to get there. Um, but like a couple of things have have happened recently. I mean, the, the the one thing that's been constant the last several years is just that there's not been enough supply, uh, and this is something that Tesla has said for you know going back like years that they've never had enough cells to to you know satisfy um, mega pack, let alone you know like um, power pack and all the other stationary storage. So they kind of got the leftovers of the car business. Uh well now there's there's actually so so that has led to an increase in pricing power. So when I first made that Tesla Energy uh, video a couple of years ago, the the price that I was using was was Tesla's price at the time, which was around three hundred dollars per kilowatt hour. So so you've actually seen that increase forty percent. The 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 pricing increased forty percent just in the last two years. Um, and so so like that is certainly going to be uh, additive to to Tesla's margins. Um, but it hasn't shown up historically, I think for, for a variety of reasons. Um, one is that, um, there's this backlog. So you've got all these older priced orders. If there was a two year backlog two years ago, that means you're, you're still, you know, clearing out these old $300 per kilowatt hour orders now ish. Uh, there've been a couple price increases since then. So, um, it's, it's unclear exactly, um, you know, what, what the current pricing is. I'm, I'm trying to do some, some work on that, but I'm not, not wrapped up with it yet. Um, but you've got you know much lower pricing historically than you're going to have going forward, and then on top of that, um, Tesla had this this contracting method uh, mechanism uh, where they would essentially eat the the raw materials cost increases. Um, uh, specifically for lithium, I think it was lithium carbonate. I want to, I want to say, um, and I'm not like a, a battery materials expert, so if I get anything wrong on this front, go, go to Jordan. Giese, Jordan will like, come. Way, yeah. Jordan will come way more <laughs> like uh, date. I'm like the business person who can like put these, you know, different facts together. But um, see, so, yeah, so so essentially, the the like, the, the price of the of the raw materials, especially this this lithium carbonate, I think it was, has absolutely skyrocketed, and and Tesla has, and, and so that has like really crushed margins, uh, according to some digging that I've done. And, um, a couple other people have been reporting on that as well. So you're kind of like both getting through this backlog of lower priced, uh, projects and you're getting through the backlog of unfavorable contract terms. Um, so now, you know the the current contract terms. Uh, I think they're denominated in in Chinese yuan. So it's like a uh, lithium prices de- uh, denominated in, in yuan because that's where the this, this comes from. Um, and so th- there's like a roughly fifty percent sharing in that. So th- that's going to make the the kind of um, commodity price exposure of Tesla a lot lower going forward. So so you've got like that benefit coming through. And then at the same time, you got the Lathrop facility starting to ramp. Well, first of all, like Giga Nevada is actually like ramping like crazy, crazy. So in Q3, that was um, Giga Nevada was was like it, at this scale that they'd never been at before for for making these mega packs. Um, and so that's where you saw Tesla do 2.1 gigawatt hours of of storage deployment, which is a lot more than they had ever done before. Um, so so like they're ramping there. Uh, margins still weren't great, I think, for the reasons that we already talked about. But now, starting in October, this this Lathrop facility is, is really starting to ramp. And this is a brand-new chemistry. Uh, these, these are new cells. It's a brand-new design. This is the Megapack XL. So it's a, it's technically, like, a different product, which uh, should have a lot lower costs. Um, and And it's ramping, like, right now. So there's some you know, it's not entirely clear how quickly they are ramping. We're, we're trying to dig into that some more. You know, I think we'll, we'll see a lot on uh, on the Q4 call, you know, how much of that actually got deployed. And and I do think that there's gonna be a lag between when these are produced at the Lathrop factory versus when they actually get deployed at the customer site. Uh, so there's some things that we can, we can dive into there. Um, but like, you, you've got that happening, which is gonna lower costs, but you, you've got the higher prices And then on top of that, like the federal government in the U.S. came in recently and just like threw the whole industry into hyper mode with this Inflation Reduction Act, which has a thirty percent investment tax credit for the buyers. So that's like a huge demand spur, uh, which is not going to go away anytime soon. Uh, So there's a lot we can, a lot of different ways we can go. Yeah, that's like I think the broad strokes of why now is different from from where it has been in the past.
0: Got it. So so to summarize. There is a uh Tesla had a lower rate a couple of years ago of about three hundred kilowatt hours per uh three hundred dollars, per, per, kilowatt kilowatt hour. Hour. dollars per kilowatt hour dollars per kilowatt hour yeah now they're closer to five hundred dollars per kilowatt hour because of what we're assuming could be uh, uh- raw material shortages or just a lot of demand not enough supply right so it's 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 pushing the price up of the supply. Yep. Um, and then you on top of that, you have two mechanisms. So you have a you have an increase in revenue or you have an increase of, of you know dollar per kilowatt hour. And then you also have a reduction in cost from the perspective of a new, a product line that's kicking in for Tesla specifically for this Megapack Excel that theoretically should be taking advantage of uh, more efficient um, uh, processes, more efficient, may- maybe uh, cheaper materials that do the same thing. Who knows what's going in there? You're doing a lot of research on that right now as we speak. And then you also have the Ira. Tax credit kicking in as well. That's also remo- removing some costs, right? So, so maybe let's let's do an, a thought exercise. And again, these are estimations, not financial advice. Thank you for everybody listening to us right now. But this is just us uh, talking through the potential of Tesla Energy and the Mega Pack. What is the margin potential where we stand right now? Because there's been a lot of analysis on Twitter from from many different parties, uh, which all of them are very valuable. But what is a realistic target? i and let me let me contextualize this. So I I asked a question to Sandy Monroe. So Sandy Monroe, that are those that are not familiar, he's a he's a very uh, knowledgeable auto industry expert that also that that basically do exclusive. That most of their work is on battery electric vehicles as of late, and so they have a lot of experience around battery, battery chemistry, battery technology. And I they were doing a Q and A at CNS, and uh and I asked them CES. And I asked him, hey, what are the margin potentials for the Tesla Megapack? You know, it's 60% out of the question. What about 50%? And this, the range that he gave was somewhere between 35%, 40 45% is realistic for a product like this. So how how do you think about it? Where are the ranges? What are the things that are going to dictate it? Uh, let's Let's deep dive that a little bit and see where the conversation goes.
1: Yeah, sure. So, so there, you know, there there been uh, you know zero sum game in JP Satre. I think. Apologies if I'm butchering that that name. James Stevenson. Yeah, bunch of um, people that that have been um, you know talking about 60% margins potentially. And there was this this, you know uh, apparent uh, leak of of kind of like behind the scenes pricing, you know, uh, gross margin uh, data that was actually that was leaked. That's like a legitimate leak. I I think that was like actually actually a screw up that like Tesla took that site down for like 12 hours or so, uh, the mega pack design site. Cause that was like, actually like a legitimate screw up on their end. Um, and so, so that indicated, I, I think it said 50% Obama. gross margins. <laughs> Just kidding. <Thanks> Obama. <laughs> I did throw that in there. <laughs> 2016, <maybe>. go ahead. <laughs> I, I love that. Um, yeah, clearly, clearly Obama's fault. Um, yeah, clearly. so an, anyway, like you know, th- there's this anecdotal evidence, at least of, of like 50% gross margins. And like, my gut reaction is like, nope, too good to be true. That, that doesn't make any sense. So, you know, I started kind of digging into it. Um, and, you know, we, and I'm still in the process. So, so my, my thoughts here are, are certainly fluid. Um, but you know, what, what I found, and what really surprised me was like this price increases, because like, I'm, I'm so attuned to like the price increases on the automotive side, um, but, like, energy just seems to, for whatever reason, keep, like, clunking along at 0% gross margin. So I just haven't been following it super closely. Um, but when you when you think about the fact that the price has increased so significantly, um, and then you look at, like, okay, okay, what are the actual cost components? And so, uh, like I was saying earlier, NREL does this, like, cost component breakdown, which uh, I, I probably should have sent you that link. Uh, but I think it's, you know, it, it blends in, like, um, profits with like the actual costs, so it's it's not necessarily like a, a good uh, mechanism to look at. Uh, but I think it it the latest version of it. I, I wanted I want to say has like this, the the um, the battery cell cost at something like one hundred and fifty or two hundred dollars. I think it's one hundred and fifty dollars per kilowatt hour. But we know Tesla is like below that now. Um, and so then you think, okay, well, let's just assume like to be conservative that like the 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 cell components are like one hundred and fifty dollars per kilowatt hour. And how much is you know like the balance of plan all the inverters and everything else like that and so if you if you make some like reasonable estimates um maybe it's another hundred dollars per kilowatt hour on top of that uh, it could be less you know i think if you want to be conservative you know maybe uh, you assume that it's it's 200 but that seems too low uh, and just one quick anecdote is i was reading this article from two years ago from clean technica uh where elon basically said at the time that their their pack costs were 200 per kilowatt hour for the mega pack uh, um and then the other components were about $100. So, so that gives the cost as of two years ago um, at like roughly $300. Well, we know that the cell costs have come down pretty significantly since then. So even if you just take the cell cost down by like $50 or $100, um, the most conservative thing I think is, is to say like, let's say the, the kind of all in um, like manufacturing cost installation is, is like a separate line item. So let's just like table that for now um, is, is like roughly $250 per kilowatt hour. Um, that seems too low to me, but when I keep diving into why or like what, what components should be higher, I can't really come up with a good answer. So, so then you're in the scenario where you've got $250 per kilowatt hour pricing or or costs and $500 kilowatt hour per per kilowatt hour pricing. And that gets Mm -hmm. that 50% gross margin that, that, um, these, these zero sum game and, and these other guys have been, uh, talking about, um, so like, I'm not going to model it that way because, uh, at least in the short term, because these ramps take time and and you know, um, there's always kind of unexpected things that, that come up. And and frankly, Tesla, like it's it's a little bit of, um, you know, you prove it to me with this. Like like I'm I'm pretty comfortable assuming 25 to 30 percent gross margins this year. Uh, although I do want to better understand like how, how much the lower price backlog is, is going to be flowing through the financials this year. Cause if you're, if you're still selling, you know, $300 per kilo, $300 per kilowatt hour battery packs, um, then you're not going to have 50% margins. Um, but if you're churning to these higher price points that, that have occurred over the last couple of years, uh, then you can get to a point where, where credibly the margins are going to get to really impactful, really meaningful levels this year.
0: So the two hundred and fifty dollar uh cost basis, let's call it for Mega Pack, using one hundred and fifty dollars for the uh, per kilowatt hour cost and the hundred dollar extra for everything else, right? Does that include uh, OPEX? Does that include machinery? Does that include labor? Does it include transportation? How 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 do you think about that number?
1: Um, yeah. So, uh, like the, the installation is, is separately kind of, kind of like I said, um, mm-hmm. but you know, the, the, the big components of it are, are really like the, the cells in, in the well, they're technically packs, uh, that they're, they're stringing together. And then, you know, the inverters are a pretty big one. And then a lot of it's just like the racking and the, and the casing, um, there, there really isn't a whole lot more that, that goes into these. Um, mm-hmm. so, so, you know, there's the, like, if you go to the, the Tesla Megapack kind of order page, Um, you can like have an option where you toggle the installation on or off so that you can, you can kind of like adjust your pricing that way. But, um, I like, I kind of think that you should just include pricing as like a pass through, maybe they've got like a 10% margin. That's kind of, uh, consistent with like EPC pricing margins. Um, so, so that seems like reasonable to me, but I think if you just strip this down to like the mega pack pricing level and exclude, you know, installation that that's probably the the right thing to do. And then in terms of like OPEX or like sales or whatever, like those, those hit, above the line because those are like if you've got like a a sales rep or whatever like the you know the the mega pack you know the whole tesla energy team those are operating expenses so so they you know we're just talking about gross margins here um so so they really shouldn't impact that too much
0: yeah so so we have a um we're pulling up a the tesla energy website on youtube if you do want to watch this live on youtube you have the option i have it tagged at the top of the space where you can see what we're talking about as well as what we're saying (laughs) so we're going to be as descriptive as possible in what we say but right now producer wife who happens to be my producer and my wife is uh pulled up the tesla energy website and we're looking at select mega pack and you can put in your how many mega packs you'd like the duration of um how long you want i guess this is the duration meaning like what's what's the max capacity for the for the uh mega pack to discharge energy i'm guessing that's what that means how many hours
1: so so like how many batteries have a a set like um there's a capacity which is how many megawatts can they discharge but there's the uh the duration which is for how long can they discharge that amount so two or four hours are the the different durations
0: got it and then you can also select if you want to include installation or you don't want to include installation. And then you can also pick a site location. So click on that drop down there, Producer Wife, if you don't mind, for site location where it says California. Um, right in the middle there. Site location. Yeah, perfect. Can you click on that? Yeah. Go ahead and click on that? Hello? Can you oh, it's, it's not working? Okay. Maybe it's not working um so yeah so we have that and then we have the desired delivery date we have the estimated price estimated annual maintenance due today and uh oh and i picked arkansas you couldn't have picked a better state no, i'm just kidding <laughs> um yeah just click on I any state. They had click electricity on- there yeah <laughs> well, we have this joke in texas the best thing about arkansas is the border is shared with texas um so <laughs> And then go to the desired delivery date. How, uh, how far does that go? Does it, because it doesn't show on the screen? Is that the earliest one, I that, guess? So that's the earliest. So, so that 2024. Is,
1: This is where you, you, you can start getting a good insight into their backlog. So they've got a, yeah. you know, year and a half long backlog right now. Uh, and that's actually been increasing lately. Um, so that, it's really just indicative of how strong the the demand is, which gets to their pricing power and and how high can they scale. Because you know Lathrop will hit forty gigawatt hours at some point, um, but they're not going to stop there. Like there'll be a, either a Lathrop expansion or there'll be like another site, and so they'll get to hundred. If, if you're if you're trying to get to one point five terawatt hours, <laughs> then like forty yeah. gigawatt hours is just like a drop in the bucket of how much. So um, and it'll be interesting to watch this over time, but right now like the energy side of the business is, is kind of how the auto side was like a year ago where it was just like crazy unlimited demand. And so they had to raise prices just to avoid the backlog being too egregious.
0: Yeah. Can you, can you click on uh can you put mega pack quantity one? Cause we're not getting an estimated price down there. I'm wondering if just uh, it's too expensive and it's not showing up. No. Why, why are they not showing the price anymore? Um, I, I was trying this the other day and it was working. So, um, uh... See if it's working on your side. And then when you click on the dropdowns, Producer Wife, I can't see the dropdowns because I think you're just sharing the window. It's like a glitch with StreamYard. So that's why that's why I was like, click on it. And you're like, click on what? I'm like, I don't know if you're even clicking on it. <laughs> so I think that what happened. Okay. So so the big takeaway here is that there is the earliest delivery date for the Tesla Mega Pack is Q3 of 2024, which is roughly, call it, what, 18 months? Uh, yeah. It's a long, yeah. long wait time and it seems to be consistent for every location
1: um yeah so I, the price isn't working for me either so yeah they they've had some issues with this, this megapack site before so it looks like they're still having issues
0: okay um uh, there's an annual maintenance price as well uh, so if you do one megapack a four hour duration you include installation the estimated annual maintenance for this piece is 8200 dollars Price escalates oh, at 2% per year. Go ahead. If
1: you if you change the quarter, you can actually get the price. So I I don't know why the Q3 doesn't show you a price, but if you grab Q4, uh oh, there it is. The price will show up.
0: Okay, perfect. So one megapack installation site in Florida, mega pack duration of four hours, uh including installation, it's uh two million two hundred thousand dollars. If you say no installation, can you click on no? It's uh it's so it removes about four hundred three hundred fifty thousand dollars, call it four hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Um Okay, so that's, that's just a little bit of data for people to, that might that not be familiar with this uh, product. This is what it looks like. So uh, so $250, we're talking about cost basis. So if we look at this, theoretically, so that if they're charging $1.9 million for this, the cost to Tesla, because it doesn't include installation, the cost to Tesla is roughly a million dollars. Is that a good way of thinking about this?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. That, that, that's okay. roughly it. That, that's a good way of thinking about it. And, you know, I, I know the, um, some of the other, um, uh, guy, and I know like on, on spaces, like I see JP wants to, to come up here. Um, I think we would probably do do that if we were not on YouTube as well. So maybe if we have some time at the end, we can kind of broaden up the, the discussion. Um, sure. but, we, we tried this in our last live stream, and it did not go well. Uh, simulcasting yeah. on YouTube. So, so we'll we'll keep it just the two of us for now, and then hopefully we can open it up. Um, but yeah, that that's uh, a rough approximation of what I, what I think is like possible. Now, I don't think they're going to be there, you know, in Q4. I don't think they're going to be there in Q1. Um, but to, to, it seems very logical that once they get to uh, through the backlog of the lower price units, like I was talking about, that then this this is kind of like a, a reasonable target for them.
0: Got it. Uh, thank you producer wife for sharing this uh, screen. So what does the IRA tax credit do to the cost then? So it goes from two fifty per kilowatt hour. Where does it go? Once that kicks in, how do we think about that?
1: So, um, it doesn't change the cost side too much. Uh, there are these, these two provisions, uh, which could impact the cost side. Um, so one is like if the, if the cells are made in the United States, um, then there is, I think it's, it's either 29 or $39 per kilowatt hour. Uh, benefit, I can I can get the answer real quick here. Um, mm-hmm. It is so uh, a thirty five it's a thirty five dollar per kilowatt hour credit. Um, but the, the cells that Tesla is using for these Megapack XL now these are from CATL, uh, so th- they're not going to qualify for that credit. Um, but like, that's also a pretty small um, you know uh, cost benefit if Tesla was even to to qualify. So if you're talking about a cost structure of say two hundred fifty dollars per kilowatt hour. Uh, then the 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 thirty five dollar credit uh, is is just like a is a relatively small um, benefit. So it, it would help six percent, uh, but yeah, but it's it's not you know it's not going to drastically move the needle. Yeah. Um, the we're well, already the, making
0: fifty percent margins. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So so, but the the other credit, there's like a, a ten dollar um, like if you do have like a pack level, um. um like assembly, I think in the United States there's a $10 per kilowatt hour credit. So I think Tesla probably will qualify for that. Uh, this is something I was going back and forth with on uh, Mad Manx on Twitter. If you guys don't follow him, he's another like super knowledgeable guy in the energy industry who I highly recommend following. Um, so so he thinks that they'll qualify for that. But again, that's that's really relatively small. Where I think the IRA is actually super helpful though is on the demand side. Um, so there's this. This concept of the investment tax credit, um, which is, uh, which which, which was like the only reason the renewables in general were working to be honest with you. So like when I was doing modeling the wind farm, uh, it's a production tax credit on the wind side, not a, not an investment tax credit. So you get paid on how much electricity you're producing, but it's like a $29 per megawatt hour credit. At least it was back when I was doing that or 24, I want to say, but it escalates, um, so, so like the price of energy is is a lot of times like roughly twenty five dollars. So like a huge piece of the overall like incentive for building renewable energy is these production and uh, investment tax credits. Um, so on the solar side and on batteries, uh, they were historically 30 percent, but they were um, stepping down over time. To I forget what they were recently just because I haven't been in the industry closely, but uh, or, or in the last couple of years, um, but the, you know, the ITC was I want to say like 20% and then it was going to go away eventually. Um, and the other really important piece, uh, which we'll, we'll put a pin in this and then hopefully come back to it is that for batteries, they didn't really even qualify, like you had to prove that your battery was being charged from renewables and not from the grid. So that just made Mm -hmm. the economics suck because you couldn't do like, what was the most economical thing to do with this battery? You had to just like make sure that the battery, you know, worked on or was charged by solar or wind. Um, Like the vast majority of of, of the energy input was was from those sources. And then if you did that, then you could qualify for like a pro rata percentage of this investment tax credit. But at 30%, like if you've got a hundred million dollar project the government's turning around and saying, okay, here's $30 million back. That's what the investment tax credit is. And that was, you know, going away, that was going to be phased out. Um, and now it's 30% and, and here to stay. And it's fully applicable to batteries. So this is like a really, really, you know, big change. And, and I think that's kind of what has prompted both the uh, kind of increasing backlog that we've seen in the last you know, couple of months. As these, you know, utility customers and otherwise have ordered uh, a lot more, the 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 you know earliest delivery date has has been pushed from Q three to Q four of 2024, Um, and then at at this at the same time, like the getting rid of this. restriction on the way that you can use the battery also makes the economics better because now you don't just have to say like okay um i can store a little bit of my extra solar and um you know use that for later you can say all right what's the most efficient way i I can possibly operate this battery in order to maximize the cash flows and i don't have to worry about like some random government regulation because if i violate that then i don't get my 30 percent
0: so let me right. let me let me deep dive on this because this is where this is really important right so conceptually speaking and and I, and I want to be cognizant of the fact that folks that are tw- joining us on Twitter sp- uh, spaces and on YouTube maybe they're not as familiar with uh, th- what what it means to have like grid level energy storage, why this is useful for utilities. Cause it, it, it appears to be a brand new industry that's sort of popping up that has had utility in the past, but now the economics are starting to make sense. So uh, the way I conceptualize it is that there, if this 50, 50% margin roundabout number that we're coming to that theoretically could be possible exists, it's because it's incredibly useful. <laughs> when, when a company can charge a lot of money for something, that usually means that it's somebody's getting a lot, a lot out of it, either joy or utility or whatever, and there's a lot of demand for it, right? That's kind of how I concept, especially in a in a newer industry. So, um, for those that might not be familiar with what what it means to have utility scale uh, batteries or you know a mega pack or whatever, why would a utility company spend millions of dollars to buy batteries to plop into their sites? Can you help us think about that?
1: Um, yeah. Um, my take on this might surprise you actually. Um, when, so when I was, um, doing this, this analysis, um, for our wind farm, we we were going to add, I think it was like a, either two and a half megawatt hour or a five megawatt hour battery to the wind farm. And so I was looking at like all the detailed data. So I actually took, um, a whole, I think it was two years worth of data at our pricing node. So, so electricity prices, they're actually location specific, so there's this concept called locational marginal pricing. So the price, you know, on your utility bill, like, is not that's like a, re- a retail rate, but for our wholesale players, which is what we're talking about with Megapack, um, they're they're like playing in the real time markets, which have prices. The prices change in most grids every five minutes. So you might have, you know, twenty dollars per megawatt hour right now, and then in the next five minute interval, it might spike up to forty dollars, and then it, you know, it could continue spiking or it can even go negative. Uh, we had a lot of times where electricity prices went to like negative eighty dollars per megawatt hour, and so the the idea of a battery is that okay, you can charge your battery when it's negative eighty dollars a megawatt hour, and you're actually getting money to charge your battery, and then you can turn around and sell that when the prices are are more normal. Now the the number of times in a year where you get like arbitrage opportunities, which are that good, is very low, and so when I was uh, you know creating this model to 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 look at like what would be the the return on on uh, a battery. Um, th- and this was back when the pricing was closer to $300 per kilowatt hour versus now. Uh, but what I found was like the the, the payback and, and the return on capital was actually really poor. It, it was actually, it was lower than our cost of capital. And I looked at this at, at, across all of our different sites, across all of the different power plants, natural gas, biomass, wind, like all these different sites, I did, I did this analysis and like across the board, like buying energy low and selling it high is not as profitable as I think people think that it, it is um, so there some things have changed like like the vol the market in the last couple of years has become a lot more volatile um you know as, as natural gas prices really spiked energy prices have gone crazy and so if you if you have more volatile energy prices in the wholesale market that makes the economics of batteries better. So I think that's contributing to it a little bit, although I haven't done the analysis in the last two years when, when we've had this more like volatile market. So um, I can't say definitively that that's the case, but uh, it might be worth like a little tangent onto uh, if, if these are not super economical, why might utilities be doing it anyways? hundred well, um, percent, yeah. And and so so these um, a lot of times utilities have like mandates. Uh, there, there's this concept in the energy industry called renewable portfolio standards Um, And so um, these are like state level uh, targets that say, okay, uh, Michigan wants to get to um, 30% renewable energy by 2030 or something like that. And so uh, roughly half the states have these targets. And so then, when the utilities go and do their planning, uh, they say, "Okay, we, we need to build a lot more wind and solar. Now it's more expensive to to build this out than than to say like do natural gas peaker plants or the combined cycle gas plants are actually probably like the the most economic way to, to meet demand." But they say, in order to be kind of aligned with the state incentives, uh, we're going to build this stuff anyways. And utilities are not like any other business. Like you, you like if you're Think about like what you think a power plant is. Like you, you sell a certain number of megawatt hours of, of electricity at a certain price, and that's your, you know, revenue. And then you take your costs of your generation out from there, and that's your gross profit. Like your natural gas costs if you're a gas plant, and then you back out all your people and all your maintenance expenses and whatever's left over. Like that's your net income. That's the way it works. Like on the, the IPP side the regulated utility industry, which is like 90% of electricity generation in in the US, that's like a guess. I don't know if that's the exact number, but it's like the vast majority is regulated utilities have a completely different business model. The way that they have earnings is they, they take the total amount of capital that they've got out there. So like the total book value of all their power plants and transmission lines and, you know, everything that that's out there. And they say, Hey, here's, here's how much we've invested in the state. Uh, and then they go to the, the to their uh, state regulator and they say, all right, how much am I allowed to earn on this? And so the state will say, okay, you can earn, let's say, a return on equity of 10%. So if my asset base is $10 billion, let's say, and my regulator says that I can earn a 10% ROE, return on equity, then I'm allowed to have $1 billion of net income. So then the utility just adds back all the costs, all their interest costs, all their depreciation and amortization, all of their people costs. And everything else and says, okay, well, then here's how much revenue we need in order to get that amount of net income. And then they take that amount of revenue and divide it by an estimate of how much electricity they're gonna sell. And they say, okay, well, this is how much we have to charge our customers then. It is the most like ass backwards system. And this, wow. this is this is how cost
0: like, plus baby.
1: <laughs> it's cost plus. It's it's co- it's crazy cost plus. And so so like you're you're in this situation where like you've got a lot of people who like in in the regulatory agencies want to promote renewable energy um they also might be mandated to do so by by like you know their state rps uh targets and and so then um they're like well in order to have grid stability because renewables are so intermittent uh you need to have like like either more transmission and distribution to like smooth this out or more natural gas generation or something like that to to make sure that the grid is stable um but if, if, if you just add more natural gas generation, then it becomes harder to meet your renewable portfolio standards. So, like, the batteries are the thing that kind of balances this equation. And it's it kind of saddens me to say this because I really wish it was just like, no, batteries are so economical that they make sense. But I, I think the real answer, um, at, at least for right now, is, is just that, like, um, the, the grid like in order to, to meet these renewable portfolio standards, you need to have um, a lot more batteries. And so so they're scaling up and then they're going to their utility and say, hey, listen, like, Tesla charged me what, what, what was the number a uh, million dollars for the for a mega pack or something like that two million yeah two million sorry yeah um, and so that goes into my capital and then they're gonna go to their utility and say okay I can earn 10 percent return on that two million dollars so I'm gonna have 200 million dollars of net income because I bought this from Tesla so the utility doesn't care whether Tesla's charging two million dollars or 1.5 like they care a little bit because they like want to make sure that their costs aren't getting like ridiculously out of control, but as long as things are like reasonably up like 3% a year and you know, they can, they can continue to make their, you know, 10% return on equity, grow their earnings by like 7% a year, utilities are happy. And so are their investors and so are their regulators. And so this is the system that we're in.
0: So there is, there is an incentive that is, um, not necessarily. So it sounds like your theory, this is your theory, right? This is what you think is really driving a lot of this adoption. And it could, and it could very well be right because obviously you, you understand the, the industry really well, but I want to make sure I contextualize this, that this could be the likely mechanism that could be driving a lot of adoption for these batteries at the sort of utility scale where there, is, where, where there, is, where there are these um, uh, incentives that are forcing people to do renewable energy. And for them to be able to do it in an economical way, the battery portion has to be brought in. And essentially, the utilities, uh, because of the regulator saying that, hey, you can make 10% on this, that I'm going to allow you to make 10% on this, they essentially have the freedom to make their costs whatever they want. And and yeah. that way, they can essentially pass on the 10% to the customer, and the customer basically you know, bears the burden of the regulator saying you can make 10%. Did I summarize that correctly? <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's okay. right. I mean, because it it, <laughs> it is a you picked up on it. It's a cost plus system essentially, um, and yeah. and these are monopolies, so like there there is no competition. And I mean, just to to like share another kind of anecdote. So when I was on this, you know, IPP, which is the the non regulated side of the business, I was doing this like detailed math. Like, does this make economic sense? And and I was coming up with a return on capital which was less than our cost of capital which, Mm -hmm. you know, tells you that you shouldn't do this. Now we went ahead and did it anyways, because we kind of knew that batteries were the future. And it's like, all right, this is going to be like, we're we're paying to go to school here. So we're, you know, we're going to understand how to like manage these batteries and how to like optimize them so that when the costs come down in the future, or, you know, just like everybody knows that batteries are the future. So we need to like pay, even though it doesn't make economic sense uh, in order to have that experience. Uh, And then it's like kind of good marketing too. Like we had the, the first project in the world Uh, or at least in North America, that had wind, solar, and battery storage all co-located together behind the meter. So we had like a really unique value proposition of like a good sale to to potential future customers. But if I went across the hall, to this, so I was in a parent company that had like the non-reg entity that I was with, but the vast majority of the company was the regulated utility. So I'd go to my counterparts and be like, okay, like, so like, what are you looking at for like the battery economics? They didn't do the same analysis that I did. (laughs) <laughs> like they don't they mm. didn't really care what like the wholesale market prices were and like how much energy arbitrage they were going to have. Like they, they, they needed to support like the regulatory filings of this. So, so they were more focused on like um, how can I show that this provides like grid stability and like um, reduces, like there's some other metrics that the regulators are going to look at, like what's your forced outage rate and like, you know, how much, like, you know, customer reliability is like a huge thing. So, so they're just saying like, this will help us, you know, have better, um, Quality, like power quality, I think is, is the term that they use. So, like, it's uneconomic, but it's a good customer experience. So we'll overpay for it for because <laughs> because it's like it helps on these other metrics which are not financial. Um, sure, so sure. I, I think the the majority of, of um, utility cons, uh, buyers of these projects are, are are you know looking at that.
0: So then when Elon says
1: uh,
0: Elon Musk says um, there there's basically infinite demand for this product is this within the is this the context for which why there is infinite demand do you think when he throws that, so, that word out
1: i i think so but i also think like eventually the economics will pick up so you know when, when i was at 300 dollars per kilowatt hour on this project that i was looking at the economics were like eh, just barely not great um uh, but if it was 250 then it would have been you know a, a, a huge uh win for us Um, and then the other piece is that like, I I do think that it's, that this may be a minority view among like energy industry participants, but I kind of think we're going to have more volatility going forward rather than less. And so if that's the case, um, which I I struggle to see how it wouldn't be the case if you have more intermittent, you know, wind and solar being added to the grid and you're retiring coal and, and you're, you know, trying to push back against, um, Uh, natural gas, which is kind of like your your flex asset, So you're taking off what's called all this base load. So coal never stops running because you can't just like turn off a coal plant. It takes like 24 hours, 48 hours to like slowly roll it down because you've got like this massive burner that's going at like uh, 1100 degrees Fahrenheit or something like that. So like you you can't just like turn that down. A natural gas turbine, you can spin up and down really quickly. So so you're removing like the base load, um, coal, solid fuels and then nuclear is also being retired. Um, or at least like when they're up for their end of the life, they're not being renewed. So all these like very stable, um, sources of power at like pretty clear prices are being removed from the grid and you're adding a lot more wind and solar. And you're also adding a lot more natural gas, gas, which people don't necessarily realize, but those are the assets which have much more wild marginal prices. And so what what I think is going to happen is that like wholesale electricity markets are going to just like get a little bit like the wild west like the prices are just going to be really volatile and so if, if that happens then adding more batteries is is going to be like more economical but then as you do add more batteries you take some of that volatility out which makes the incremental batteries you know less economic so so there is a little bit of a of a you know push and pull with this so i'm skeptical of like demand is infinite you know forever but for right now um for all like <laughs> intents and purposes for the next two years at least like Definitely, demand is infinite.
0: Is this a U.S. market thing only, where this is potentially a uh, a boon for Tesla, or do you think this is more like a global potential? Have you done any research around that? Uh,
1: so, so I'm obviously much more familiar with with um, the U.S. market, but like I, it, I struggle to see how other markets could really. Um, be nearly as attractive, given the size of the market, given the fact that you've got this thirty percent investment tax credit now. Like, I don't, I don't think any other market has that. Um, it, like, it's, it's so. I, I think U.S. is probably going to be the most attractive, but certainly other grids are like going to go through the same thing in the other um, uh, like government agencies around the world. Like, every, like I think everybody wants batteries. Like Republican, Democrat, left, right, you know, what, like. Batteries just make a lot of sense, um, so so I think like it will be a trend, and I think where I, I get really optimistic actually is behind the meter batteries. Like I think that's where like ultimately like, the economics just like absolutely. This is where I think the utility companies that are not cost conscious get run over in like ten years is when you you say okay you keep charging my rates up like up and up and up and I'm at you know twenty cents a kilowatt hour which is two hundred dollars a megawatt hour. Like delivered. That's roughly what you know businesses and, and uh, consumers are paying. Well, like solar, depending on where you live, might be you know fifteen dollars a megawatt hour, uh, but it's intermittent. So you need to let's 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 say you build twice as much solar as you need. So now you're at thirty dollars a megawatt hour, um, but compared to like two hundred, which is what the utility is paying you uh, or is charging you. So then if you just add some batteries. Um, you can kind of like defect from the grid or at least like greatly limit your your grid imports and be energy self-sufficient in a much more economic way so that that's where i think is this is going to go in the long term uh so in the short term it's like we got this this crazy kind of like utility issue going on but oddly enough i think that's what's going to kill the utilities in like 10 years
0: so when, when you say this behind the meter terminology what what is that exactly
1: yeah. So um, let, let's use like a residential customer, just for example. So you're, you know, there in Austin, your utility is probably charging you between 150 and $200 per megawatt hour, or it's like 15 cents to 20 cents per kilowatt hour. Um, and so like, that's like, you know, you're paying 200 to $300 a month and you don't really think about it that much. But as the price for solar continues to come down, well, you can, you can put solar um, on your roof. So, so that's like literally behind the meter from the grid perspective behind your individual meter. So now you're offsetting your, you're, you're being, you're, you're collocating your generation of your electricity with your consumption of electricity. So that, that, that's kind of what, uh, what behind the meter is. So you're, so you're not relying on the utility anymore, but if you put sure. the battery there as well, then you can, you know, kind of manage if the battery is big enough. And if your solar generation is big enough to kind of, uh, handle sings swings and seasonality and, you know, like, um, uh just like a particularly cloudy three weeks that you might have or something like that if you size it big enough um or if the utility rates just continue to go up there's going to be a point where just building a ton of solar and a ton of batteries at everybody's house and at every like place of business is just going to be the the most economic thing so in the long term that's where i think this is going
0: got it got it so so let me, we're almost an hour in we, before we hit the other, the next hour, because there's so much to talk about here. Let me kind of summarize what we've, what we've gone through so far. So Tesla potentially has a 50% margin structure on the Tesla mega pack where they have roughly 200, potentially, again, these are just numbers that we're thinking about maybe long-term, but they're, they're going to be able to make a lot of money on this product potentially um, that they, uh, are building out a supply chain for it because you know, Tesla spends a lot of time making batteries and they have a lot of incentives now with the IRA specifically where they're going to be incentivized to make more as many batteries as humanly possible. There's this uh, mega pack product that they could start making or they have started making that potentially could give them a 50% margins Um, if the cost per kilowatt hour from the Tesla side is 250 and they continue to charge $500 per 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 kilowatt hour, which is basically where they're at today and Matt thinks that this could could continue, could continue to be stable or potentially rise as some of the, uh, d- let's say energy markets become a little bit less stable, or you know, the cost of raw materials go up because of the demand of batteries in general, globally. And then you have this sort of incentive structure that uh, that's at least in the United States, where a lot of utilities are gonna be incentivized to buy these batteries to try and meet these uh, sort of uh, guidelines and regulations that the governments and sort of differently, different bodies have placed on, on the utilities that could essentially provide Tesla an ability to sell these. Uh, they're going to be capacity constrained, essentially, to be able to sell these into that market. Um, is, that a, is that a good of encapsulation of the last hour or so
1: that we yeah, talked through? Yeah, no, that, that's, that's uh, okay. much more succinct than, than I've been doing, so I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude,
0: I mean, the detail is very helpful because, again, this is like, this kind of reminds me of 2013, 2012, where you know, a lot of people just didn't think that the that the EV car was a, a profitable endeavor, you know, mm-hmm. and and it it was not a well understood industry. It sounds like we are starting to hit this uh, uptrend with the energy side, where there are very few people that understand the sort of the mechanisms and the economic sort of uh, potential here for Tesla to capitalize capitalize on this opportunity. Where um you know we're kind of in that same realm again, and I don't know if you agree with that or not, but it just seems like we're starting to hit that. That, that chasm of like um, oh my god this is an opportunity here that that's appearing uh i don't know if you agree with that or not
1: yeah yeah, yeah. I, I do and like so i mean this is an opportunity that i've been like expecting for a long time but i've, I've mm-hmm. kind of just been lulled to sleep by the fact that like tesla has not <laughs> been scaling this effectively and they've not been really generating any profits that are of any note so mm-hmm. it's like it's one of these things that like we all should have been paying better attention to it honestly because like it's um it's it's clear Tesla didn't just change their mission and be like, you know what? We, we, we don't want to focus on energy storage anymore. Like that, they were always doing it. And like, but this Lathrop, I remember when when they um, had that, uh, I think it was in their, it was either Q2 or Q3 where they were talking about 40 gigawatt hours of capacity. And it was just like snuck in there. And I was like, wait, why didn't anybody ask a question? Like that's that's bigger than Giga Nevada. Like th- this is a huge deal. Um, but like nobody, though, certainly nobody in the earnings call like mentioned that. Um, and, uh, you know, there's this Mad Manx and, uh, this JP and, and uh, zero sum game a couple others have kind of noted this earlier. Um, and I'm, I'm glad everyone has, that they all have, have brought this up cause it's, it really is like impactful. Um, but it's, it's been very easy, I think just to dismiss Tesla energy overall, just cause it like has historically been not worth modeling out.
0: So do you think Lathrop is what's really changed this time? Is, is that why you're. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's a lot more attention on it now, and people are a lot more hopeful. Is because of that change that that facility is now known and is starting to crank out some product.
1: So, so the, that's certainly what what brought the attention most recently. Um, so, like for sure, that's the case. But like you, you can imagine, if they if Tesla was still pricing at three hundred dollars per kilowatt hour, then I still wouldn't really care that much about it because because then with our two hundred fifty dollar you know build a build up on cost that we were talking about before, you've only got fifty dollars per kilowatt hour of uh, of margin. So like, then it would still be like, okay, well, you know, they're finally ramping and that's great, but it's still rounding error. So, so the fact that you've got ramping and their pricing has increased so much so that you do have these, this, this crazy margin potential, that's, that's what's exciting. Um, now I, I kind of, I'm, I'm very sympathetic with Gary's view here that like, you don't want to give full credit. Uh, I heard him talking on, on your your chat with uh, Alexandra last night that like, you know, he he's ramping up to, to 25% um, I'm, I'm going to try to do a lot more of a detailed deep dive into like, when do these price increases actually roll through? Um, and, and that'll be in the the report that, uh, that we published with, with Bradford from Halter Ferguson. Um, so the, I want it to be a little bit more evidence based on like the, you know, just like being reasonably conservative on, on, you know, the Gary side of the camp or the, we found it on the web scrape from like the, the more aggressive, you know, side of the camp. So like, i I, they're both valid i think like but um you know i, I want to try to put a little bit more meat on the bone
0: got it what what do you think should be uh, a big focus for us for the next say call it next hour of discussion or whatever however long we're going to go what's something that we've haven't hit on yet that's going to help describe the the potential opportunity with with this side of the business for tesla and sort of the the overall space what where does your head go to
1: yeah, I mean, it might be worth talking about, um, you know, revenue recognition a little bit. I know this is something that that uh, Gary spoke on a little bit. So we can maybe talk sure. about that. Uh, we could also talk about like the the software piece of it, because, you know, that's something that I, I think is is not well understood either. So, um, okay.
0: yeah. Whichever you want. You want.
1: Yeah.
0: Sure. Well, maybe we can... Well,
1: so let's start with the, the, the revenue recognition piece then. So, so like the, yeah. the easy math, I think to, to just like napkin math, the opportunity from Lathrop is to say, okay, you know, 40 gigawatt hours of capacity. Um, so that's 10 gigawatt hours per quarter. So if they're selling that at, you know, $500 per kilowatt hour, then you get, uh, uh I think, I think that math is uh, five, $5 billion of, of revenue just out of there, but plus some, some incremental out of, um, you know, giga Nevada and, and some, and Tesla solar, that sort of thing. Um, but the, the the energy projects are a lot more kind of slow moving so like this you know this wind project that we were building for example you know like we ordered the turbines like 24 months to 36 months i think before the site was actually commissioned so you're making like progress payments along the way but like it takes a long time to to, to build those now batteries especially like the mega packs which are like designed to be super easy to install um they're, they're not going to be quite that long in, in terms of lead times. Um, but I think you still have a similar situation where um, the customer is going to order them, you know, there's probably some small amount that's due um, at signing. Um, and then, you know, there's uh, Tesla in their 10 K notes that for stationary storage, they use what's called the percentage of completion uh, methodology for recognizing revenue. Um, so, like, if you, if you think of, like, the two extremes, like, one would be the customer gives you an order, so you book the revenue. Well, you can't do that because, like, you haven't actually delivered anything. On the other extreme, it would be you don't book any revenue until you deliver the the project um, and the customer has installed it and it reaches what's called commercial operations date. Um, and that's when, like, you get through the whole test energy phase, like, customer knows that it works and, and you actually move into commercial operations. Um, this is a really big deal because... Um, uh, there's this concept called interconnection agreements. So anytime you're adding any new energy asset to the grid, so batteries, a generating plant, anything you have to go through the grid operator to make sure that like, it's not going to like screw up the grid. Um, and, and if they need to make any like improvements that, you know, they'll charge you essentially to make those improve improvements that your new asset is, um, requiring of the grid. Um, so like that interconnection agreement can take years. Um, and so you, you may not be able to reach commercial operation if you don't have your interconnect agreement, like done well in advance. So in, ter- in terms of revenue recognition, you may not be able to recognize the revenue until you get to commercial operations. So those are the the two extremes is like one all up front, you know, two, not until commercial operations. What Tesla says in their 10K is that they do it on a percentage of completion, so they don't give a whole lot more detail on exactly what those criteria are. But they do note, um, you know, commercial operation being, you know, one of them. So, so my sense is, you know, maybe physically manufacturing the mega pack, maybe that's a a third of the, of the total cost or something like that. So maybe you can recognize that, uh, once you deliver it or once it gets on the truck to be delivered, you know, maybe there's another third that you can, um, deliver that you can recognize once it's actually connected to the grid and installed. Uh, and then maybe you you can recognize the final third, um, when, you know, the interconnect is, is approved and, and this, this asset is actually operating, um, commercially. So like th- that math is not exactly right, but like somewhere along th- that extreme, like there's going to be revenue recognized along the way of like from when it's manufactured to when it's placed in service. So putting that all together, it's like if even if Lathrop ramps like super aggressively and let's just say like they're not going to do this, but let's just say they hit uh, 10 gigawatt hours this quarter in Q4, like there's, there's not going to be 10 gigawatt hours deployed because like the, the the last couple um uh, mega packs that were manufactured in December. Well, those that need to get shipped to the customer site in Arkansas, (laughs) right? right, That you guys had. And then like that needs to get installed and that that might take like a week or two. And then, you know, like you need to do like some testing on it and then you'll do the test energy. And then once it finally hits commercial operation, which could be delayed very significantly if there's interconnection issues, um, like so so, like that whole thing could delay when the benefit actually shows up on Tesla's uh, income statement so
0: got it got it so basically they recognize as they go along is basically the the thought process there yep got it so how big of an impact is that for for 2023 you think
1: well i mean it it all kind of depends and and i've not you know finalized my my numbers i'm going to
0: step away for a second so i I need to hit the restroom (laughs) but you keep going uh bruce's wife just put me put him alone and i'll come back in a minute go ahead sorry
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah sure so um you know, in, in terms of like, you, does 2020 look like, or sorry, what does 2023 look like? You have to make some assumptions on like how fast is the factory ramp. So, you know, if the, if the target is, um, you know, 10 gigawatt hours, um, you know, maybe they hit that rate in Q4 or something like that. Uh, so then maybe so, but on top of that, they you have like the, the roughly two, I think it's like 1.5 to, to two gigawatt hours coming out of giga Nevada, um, so, like, kind of ignore that for now, um, but, like, Lathrop might be ramping from 3 to 6 to 9 to 10 or something like that over the next four quarters, but the revenue from ramping like that will be delayed because you're going to recognize, uh, like, the using the same example I said before, like, if, if you do the the two gigawatt hours in, in Q1, let's say, uh, which that, that might be, that's probably too low, to be honest with you, but just for the math, then maybe you recognize like a third of the two gigawatt hours because that has been actually delivered to the customer site. Then maybe in the next quarter, you recognize the second third of that two gigawatt hours from the first quarter, but you also have, um, you know, the ramp of like four gigawatt hours that was, um, you know, manufactured at Lathrop in Q2, then you like, you recognize a third of that and so on. So it's kind of like a waterfall where you're recognizing kind of incremental amounts of, um, Uh, like of of the essentially there's just like a a lag uh, on average of about six months or so so that's like the one time i I went really short and far as i was gone so let me look at the the questions and see if we've got something on here um maybe there's something else i can dig into for a minute here i'm going to look at the questions on spaces So, oh, zero sum game says there's so much <laughs> nonsensical BS being spewed here, which is interesting. I thought I made nice with zero sum game, but now he's saying that this is a waste of time, and the opportunity isn't being presented as it relates to Tesla and stock. So, like, this is the thing. Like, I'm not trying to pump this. I'm trying to get close to the answer. And and one of the things that I've not yeah. really liked about some of the way this conversation has been going is just like, like, I'm trying to present my point of view, and and like, like, we don't need to pump the stock. Like, let's, like this is a real opportunity, yeah. but let's not be like. We're going to get to ten gigawatt hours tomorrow, and it's going to be at fifty percent margin. Like that's not realistic.
0: Yeah, that's that's that sort of verbiage and that sort of tone is just not not helpful to the to the discussion at all. Um, yeah, you were going to dig into so so you kind of walked through the the revenue generation for twenty twenty three. Uh, so what was and I missed the top line. So what was the sort of the overarching sort of summary there?
1: So I mean, like, there's going to be a ramp at Lathrop. So you, so you can come up with like, what do you? How aggressive do you think Lathrop ramps? Like if you want to be most aggressive, you can say it'll do 10 gigawatt 10 gigawatt hours every quarter. Like I, I don't think that's realistic at all. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to be really conservative, maybe it goes like two gigawatt hours to four to seven to nine or something like that. And but but then it's gonna be lagged. So like maybe only recognize a third of the revenue um of what's produced at Lathrop each quarter. Um so so it's kind of like a waterfall, is kind of is what I was saying.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Um what 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 else can you talk about the deferred revenue piece? Uh, I mean, it sounds like you've basically covered it there. I mean, as as they complete the projects and as they go through the through the production ramp, they can you know start recognizing a fourth, a third, a half. It doesn't really have to be a thing where it has to be completed and they can uh, recognize the revenue. They can rec- recognize it as they go along. Um, it, it, does that impact? Like, how does that impact people's ability to model this out, say through twenty twenty five? You know, if you think. I guess. Let me ask you this question: What do you think is a realistic ramp for this uh, type of product through the next three years? Is it something similar to the car business, where we might see fifty percent year over year? Do you think it's faster? Do you think it's slower? How do you think about that? Uh,
1: I, I think it should be faster. Um, I, I, I'd be curious if we, if we did the math on, on like the compound average growth rate of, of like the if we start with let's say you know forty gigawatt hours in twenty twenty three um what do you need how do you how fast do you need to compound to get to you know the 500 gigawatt hours at, by 2030 that we were using as an example earlier which is still mm-hmm. like a third of, of elon's goal um so i i i don't know what the math is on that but i'm, I'm guessing it's more than 50 percent. okay so
0: it should be it should be quicker
1: um, yeah because like like they're not going to stop here like they're going to get to 100 and then they're going to get to like 200 and then they're going to be yeah. you're like it's, it's going to happen quick like i'm i'm definitely expecting more like Lathrop type facility announcements to, to be announced.
0: Do you think, do you think that's part of the investor day uh, date uh, that's coming on on March 1st? Do you think that's going to be a big piece of that discussion? How do you think about that?
1: Um, I So the, the weird thing about this is like Tesla has been so silent about it. Um, like, so either Sandbag. Elon Sandbag. is really sandbagging, like, you know, some people have been speculating um, or like, we're missing something and it's just not going to be as, as impressive. Um, so like, I think they're going to talk about it because they, they haven't really spoken about this at all recently. Um, so I, I think that'll be part of it, but it, it clearly wasn't in like the write up that they gave. I really think mm-hmm. they should do a Tesla energy day. I've been kind of advocating for this for a while. Um, Cause like the investors don't understand this opportunity. I'm a hundred percent convinced of that. Um, yeah. So like I, 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 I hope they're sandbagging, but I'm not entirely sure.
0: You know what's interesting about this business is that it seems like the footprint that you re- that's needed from like a production perspective is only a fraction of that of the car business, right? So, say these gigafactories that Tesla has been announcing for the uh, Model Three ramp, or say the compact car in the future in the next three to five years that they're that they're looking to to ramp. These are these are relatively huge facilities because you need a line, <laughs> you need a yeah. line to make the car. It doesn't seem like you need a similar type of um, like uh, process for the battery. You know, it's like it it seems a lot more stationary, a lot less moving parts. And so theoretically, like you don't really need to announce the largest uh, manufacturing facility by volume in the world or the largest building in the world to crank out two million cars. You, You just need to like throw up a building somewhere and then you could have an equivalent level of revenue uh, uh yeah. flowing out of this facility that's a fifth to i don't know a tenth <laughs> of the facility that the car uh that the car business does is that is that a good way of thinking about it that maybe the superlatives that apply to the car business don't apply to energy and that's why it's gone undercover for so long and that's why it's such a huge potential because it could be like a literally a sleeping giant
1: that's yeah i i think i mean yeah. like if, if you just think of, like, the manufacturing process of, like, what does it take to, like, get a 75-kilowatt-hour pack and, like, put that together and, like, keep it safe and, like, with the cooling systems and everything like that. And then to, like, build a car around that and then to, like, have all the assembly for, like, all these tiny things and all the, like, little electronic components and all the moving parts. And, like, you've got to paint it, like, put makeup on, the like, the product so it looks good <laughs> to a consumer. Like, as opposed to the mega pack, it's just, like, bam, like... Like jam as many cells together as you can with some cooling, with some racking, with some inverters and like get it as tight and compact as you can and just like throw a shell on top of it and ship it out. Like that's like that's a much more simple manufacturing process. So so I yeah. think it stands to reason that the margins could be higher. Um, but but like you got to look at the pricing. It's not. It's not just like that's an easier manufacturing process. So they'll have higher margins because like the pricing of a car is like apples and oranges with what the pricing of a, of a stationary storage battery is. Um, so like, I think that's, that's definitely something to, um, to, to keep in mind.
0: So do you think that's why there's maybe, you know, you brought up the zero, sum comment that was, uh, you know, and I, I import taste, I, I would, I would, uh, definitely. Uh, suggest folks maybe take a better tone uh, when it comes to that, but uh, you know they're free to say whatever they want, but I, I, it's not helpful to the conversation. But but do you think that's why there is such a uh, maybe this these uh, factions are starting to come up? Because on the face of it, when you when you're comparing the manufacturing capabilities to the rest of the business, it's just so much more damn simple, and uh, yeah. it, it's just impossible how they couldn't be how they wouldn't be able to make a lot of money with it, you know. Uh, and that's why folks are like, well, can't, why can't you see this? It's so they can make so yeah. much money. They can make well, so much money.
1: <laughs> and, and part of part of like zero, I was reading through a couple more of his comments and like part of part of where he was like frustrated with me is that like they had these detailed leaks of like what their still on, by the way. was. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's fine. Like, I'm not taking this personally like i want to like have the have the debate and uh, we've dm'd a little bit like more cordially but for some reason whenever it gets to the public it caps lock goes on but like zero (laughs) sums like this data came from tesla themselves why why are you trying to build it up separately and that's a fair criticism but what i would say in response to that is like targeted costs are not the same as realized costs so when you're manufacturing something like you can't there's no amount of code anywhere in Tesla's database right now which will tell you what their actual gross profit is going to be on stationary storage in Q1 because Q1 hasn't happened yet because they haven't built these cells because they haven't delivered them because like accounting is is based like you can use estimates for for like you know uh, how much things are going to cost and you do but realized costs are always going to be different. Um, so, so like, that's why I'm urging a little bit of caution and maybe taking a different tech than, than zero sum. I, I think it's helpful to have his opinion and mine and Gary's and like other people. Um, cause like we're approaching this differently. I'm not saying that like the Tesla numbers are wrong. I'm, i in fact, I think what I was saying is I kind of like validate that the, the 50% gross margin seems realistic. I'm just saying yeah. that they're not going to get there tomorrow. Uh, cause exactly. like, like the factory is not fully efficient yet. They've still got, and the bigger thing than the factory not being efficient is that you've still got the old backlog at the old pricing. So if you're pricing something today at the five hundred dollar per kilowatt hour price, you know, but you're selling the thing that's hitting your income statement is the old you know four hundred dollar per kilowatt hour pack. Even if you've got like better cost structure, you're still not going to hit that fifty percent target. So that, that's all I'm saying is yeah. like, that there's realized costs are, are different than than right. you know like the optimal long term target.
0: Both could be true. Right. The the, the yeah, yeah, crazy exactly. target of gross margin could be true, but it could take a long time or it could take time to get there because of the ramp and the old pricing and, and whatever else is. And, and so both are kind of could be right. It's just a yeah. timing. It's a timing thing. Yeah. Maybe I need um, to start yelling mine more. Yeah. You should use more caps lock. Yeah. Uh, that's so funny. As an aside, I want to say this, by the way, for people that might, uh, cause I, I like to be very honest, uh, with, with my viewership, I've been having an anxiety attack for the last 25 minutes. So if my questions haven't been great, I've been like losing my mind right now. So if anybody deals with anxiety, I'm going through it right now. I don't know what triggered it, but I lost my mind. That's why I had to go to the bathroom is because literally I had to put water on my face. So, uh, you can get through it. I'm, freaking out I right can, now but i have I can, i'm right.
1: like amazed that you're here so like kudos to me for doing <laughs> no. your anxiety attack yeah thank you that's all you <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, you notice in, me shaking in, that's why but
1: more okay. serious note though like yeah. that is like I, like I know people very yeah. close to me who struggle with anxiety and it's like it can just come out of nowhere and it's i don't it's know what it is it just not triggered
0: much, out of nowhere so weird um but yeah thank you thank you for that and uh because i know that it's it's one of those things people don't talk about a lot um. Yeah. I. I deal with it. It's. I haven't dealt with it like this for in a long time. It's just. I don't know. You freaking face triggered or something. But. You know. I'm trying yes, to work through yes. it. Yes. Yeah. You bastard. It's. <laughs> you know. You can get through it. Um. Okay. So. Yeah. The real the question here is is like how much of this shows up in Q1, you know how much of this potential or Q4 rather like like what's a realistic number for Q4? H- have you thought about that for energy?
1: Well, so I'm I'm trying to go through that analysis right now. Um. Cause like what I've been alluding to, I think a couple times here is like, there's a difference between the, like the current quoted, you know, bank of packs and, and what's in the backlog. So um, like I'm, I'm assuming a decent ramp up from what was deployed in Q3. Um, but my sense is they're probably going to produce a whole lot of mega packs. Like if they, if they disclosed what amount of, um, you know, megawatt hours or gigawatt hours they actually produced versus what were actually deployed, um, that would be kind of interesting because I think there's going to be a huge discrepancy in Q4 because Lathrop really is ramping. Like like this this plant, by all accounts, um, and I'm actually going to be there next week, so I'll be able to no get sad. a firsthand look on look at it with, uh, with Bradford. Um, but it's, it's, it's ramping real fast right now. But how many of those are going to get deployed? To me, that's, you know... Up, up for debate so tesla energy did 2.1 billion dollars in revenue last quarter like i think that's going to increase pretty substantially uh it wouldn't surprise me if it get to three like i'd be surprised but it uh if, the, if it got to like four billion i did i that seems like a stretch but um in q4, uh, in q4 yeah wow so do you think there might be a double well so, so they they roughly doubled in Q3, and that was before Lathrop. So, so part of that um, was they had this this I don't know if you remember this. I, I kind of had forgotten until uh, this morning. I was looking at it. Um, there was that note or that like leaked speech that um, like the the leader of Giganovada said to all the employees, and they they talked about like how much they were ramping and and like how they are now finally not self constrained. So. Uh, They they talked about what their ramp rate was, and I'm I'm not going to remember it exactly, but I I think it equated to something like one and a half gigawatt hours of of, um, capacity at the rate that they were doing back in, I don't know, September or whenever this this article was from. Um, So, like, if they were doing one and a half gigawatt hours, and and presumably they could maybe even ramp up a little bit higher since then, um, and Lathrop's coming online, um, depending on how many of those actually get, you know, deployed it's It's at least possible that you know you could have a, a really meaningful step up now you've you've also got like solar and stuff, but those are low margins. so that all gets lumped in with that two point one billion dollar. I, I think it's solar is roughly like a hundred to two hundred million dollars of that amount, so it's really small. Um, so so energy storage is really the thing to look out for 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 Tesla energy.
0: Gotcha. okay. Uh, and uh, margins that sort of tend to like nine to twelve percent range is sort of what you're thinking. Um, Maybe higher. yeah. So
1: so th- this is again where it gets interesting because uh, they were 11% in Q3 or sorry in Q2. Then they they nearly doubled their deployments, but gross margin went down to to 9%. So so to me, that is like they've got issues with uh with the, with their pricing. Um. So that it's either like they had like more of the older ones that that rolled through. Um. 'Cause like you would think if you're if you're really ramping um, you know, and rough approximately doubling your, your uh stationary storage deployments, it seems like um, you know, your, your margins would go up. But that wasn't the case. So um, I suspect that was mostly related to pricing. And so I want to dive into that a little bit more before, you know, I give any any kind of indication, but it seems more likely than not that the margins would increase, but I just don't know to, to, to what level yet because I I want to do this really detailed analysis.
0: Okay, got it. Um, when when do you think you'll have that uh available for people to look at?
1: Um, yeah, so next couple of weeks I think at least uh, I, I owe it to Bradford soon. I'll definitely get it to him by uh, the next week before we we go on our trip. So okay. uh, then we've got to review it, get it through compliance and a couple things. So. Probably two weeks, something like that, three weeks, but uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see. Great. Okay. Uh, the other piece oh, we're two talking weeks. about. That's, I shouldn't say two, two weeks. weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna take a year.
0: <laughs> Damn it! You threw that freaking buzzword out. Um, thank you very much for the. Uh, we have eleven over eleven 1, hundred people on YouTube watching, over six hundred people on Spaces. Thank you all very much for joining us uh, with this discussion. Uh, I don't know if we're gonna have a chance to bring up speakers at the end of the spaces because. Uh, it's just it, doing YouTube live and spaces at the same time is kind of a disaster, unfortunately. So um, until Elon and his team figure out how to make this a little bit more streamlined, we'll, we'll do it. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll try to work, work it. Maybe we'll do one or, one or two, but um, you know, we'll give it a shot and see what happens. Um, software was the other piece we were talking about as well uh, with, with uh, Tesla Energy. Uh, kind of walk us through that. I know producer wife has some stuff in the wings that she could bring up for that. But um, yeah, walk us through that. Help us understand what that is. How it could be impactful for Tesla, the industry, so on and so forth?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, maybe even even take a, like a bigger step back of like, what are the, the the different revenue streams? So, so like what we talked about, buying low and selling high, like that. That's the most obvious use case for a battery. Um, but there's a lot of other ones. There's there's this concept called ancillary services. Uh, where like the grid can pay you, uh, depending on the market structure of the grid, you might get a, a payment for uh, capacity, which is basically just like having generation available to come in online. Uh, so that's like one payment stream. Uh, there's like frequency reserve, uh, which is like what made the economics, uh, or frequency control, which is what made the economics of the Hornsdale plant. like so phenomenal. That's like uh, the, there was a, what was it? Like a four month payback for Hornsdale or something like something that. Like that um, yeah. crazy, just ridiculous. And so then everybody got like, like their head exploded. They're like, Oh my gosh, like batteries are amazing. Like these things are going to be like deployed everywhere. And Tesla's going to have amazing pricing power. Well, that's the South Australian grid had like a massive frequency control issue, which like the, the Hornsdale power uh, project went in and like salt. And so, so they got paid. It was something like 90% of their revenues came from frequency control. And that's like roughly $0 anywhere in the United States or in other Western grids. There's like a couple grid operators that will pay you a small amount, but generally speaking, it's not even worth looking at because it's, it's such a small revenue stream. So like, Word of advice: Like, don't extrapolate Hornsdale anywhere else because I've been like trying to shout this from the rooftop. It doesn't scale. <laughs> like, it's a completely different like economic model. So, so very don't, specific don't use case. One. Yeah, very specific use case. And so, like, it was great for Tesla, like good PR and all that. But, um, you know, definitely not scalable. Um, so, so, but there's you know other capabilities like, um. um Spinning reserves is one. So, like um, electric generators, like the vast majority of generators, pretty much every every type of electricity generation, other than solar PV, is just like a, a generator spinning uh, um, around a, around like a field of magnets to to generate electricity. And so that's um, that actually creates some inertia on the grid. So that if there's like a sudden spike, um, the inertia of that spinning um, blade or spinning spinning rotor. Um, actually can can help to stabilize the grid from from sudden spikes. And so there are a lot of electricity markets that will pay you for that. so the the point being without going into all these different details is there's like you know half a dozen or so different types of these ancillary services that are like very specific, like technical things that um, you know power plants and and battery operators can get paid for. Um, but the whole like to get the economics to work, you've got to like optimize how to how to handle each one of those. Uh, and so and and if you don't have them available, but you're you're collecting revenue for them, then you can get a fine. So the Hornsdale project actually had a six hundred thousand dollars fine a couple of weeks, months ago because they weren't able to regulate the frequency, uh, even though they were supposed to. so so the the logic, the reason I'm going into all this detail is because the logic of deciding like what's the most economic way to charge and discharge my battery is ridiculously complicated, especially if you're trying to act to, to what's called value stack. So you say, okay, most of my money's going to be made in like uh, what's called load shifting or like buying energy low, selling at high. Uh, but then I can get like an extra 10% from selling capacity and get like an extra 5% from, you know, having spinning reserves. But if I don't have those available, then I can get penalized. So it's like super complicated math that needs to be done in, in real time. Um, and so maybe that's a, a helpful, um, segue to, to to go into some of the software stuff that that uh, yeah. tesla offers to to kind of manage this this very complicated decision making should process. we pull
0: up that page uh that yeah. was sent uh yeah so go ahead producer wife and bring up that uh software page that matt shared uh, at the top there of the um the tesla.com Site with the software stuff, perfect. All right, I'll let you uh, drive this discussion here, Matt. Tell, tell tell what to do. All right, so Where if you
1: scroll down a little bit, um, producer, not my wife. Um, <laughs> so there's and try to be you know,
0: descriptive for spaces as well. Obviously, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, so so there's a couple different software uh, types that I, I want to kind of like walk through because like there's, there's so far we've been talking about the the opportunity for hardware margins primarily, which which is frankly like the lion's share of of the near term opportunity. Um, but over time is, as, as Tesla has like a huge quantity, like terawatt hours of these batteries cumulatively deployed, then the software services and, and maintenance contracts and that sort of thing are going to make up a bigger percentage. So this is, this is not like a short-term benefit in my mind. It's like rounding error in the short term. So I want to like c- kind of be, um, wary of that just to, to let everyone know, this is like, this is where I think like the money's going to be in 2030 and beyond. Um, but, uh, Let's kind of walk through what they are anyways, just for the, the kind of benefit of people. So, so the, the first one is, is auto bidder. And so this is the one that I think most people have, um, spoken about and, you know, kind of, um, it's, it's like the most popular one. And people think like, this is like the FSD equivalent on the automotive side. This is like, what's going to generate a massive amount of margin on the, um, on the, on the like, energy side. Um. I think AutoBidder is, is great. And I want to explain why. Uh, so the, like what, what a power plant operator or any sort of like energy asset operator that that's me- like working in wholesale markets needs to do is to like offer in their assets in the most economic way possible. So the, so the way that, uh, we did that at the wind farm, uh, and I'm going to go into a little bit of detail here, just cause I, I, I think it's, it's helpful. Um, is we'd look at like, what's the marginal cost of producing a megawatt hour of wind? Well, it's, it's nothing because the, the, the wind is free. So there's no fuel cost. Um, and actually you get the production tax credit that I mentioned before, which is you know like $25 a megawatt hour. So it, it, you can actually offer in negative $25 per megawatt hour if you're a wind plant operator. And as long as the market price of electricity in any five minute or one hour interval, depending on you know the grid, there's day ahead and real time markets. Uh, as long as like the 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 price is higher than that, then your asset gets uh, di- uh, dispatched. It's called, and so then you get that that um, that revenue stream. On the natural gas side, it's very similar. Like you you have um, natural gas is your biggest input cost. So if you, if you're a natural gas plant, you've got let's say four dollar natural gas, and there's a concept called a heat rate, which is how efficient is your power plant at converting natural gas into electricity. So you may have a heat rate of seven. So if your um, natural gas price is $4 per mm MMBTU, then multiplied by your plant heat rate, that means that your variable cost is $28. Then maybe you add in a couple extra dollars because there are some other variable costs for natural gas plants. So so maybe you bid in for $30 per megawatt hour. And as long as the wholesale price is higher than that, you'll get dispatched. And if it's not, like your plant will will shut down. Um, So like this is the reason I go through all that is because it's very easy logic to understand. Like. You know your plant can generate however much you can generate, and as long as the price is higher than your cost, you'll sell. Um, so so like almost all of the um, existing um, like service providers um, have only needed to solve that problem. Um and a lot of times, like these decisions are actually done by phone call, which is like crazy. <laughs> but I've, I've like been in the control room <laughs> with these power plants and they get like a phone call from like the grid operator or from their, their like market participants saying, Hey, Hey, like we've got like a price spike or something or like what, there's a lot no of different reasons. You might change your, Phone call. Uh, so like, Oh, let's shut down. And so like, Wow, or or like th- there's other things that you can do to like kind of juice the production of a plant a little bit. Like there's this this thing called fogging that you can do with a combined cycle gas plant. Um, so like anyway, like it's just like that's how kind of lo- low tech and simple some of the So it's literally like
0: processes. Wall Street was before like uh, any yeah. of these platforms, like the buy and sell, like buy the phone instead of like going on yeah. TD Ameritrade and play. wow, that's insane.
1: Yeah, exactly. So so but now now think about how much different that like. You know, cell decision is compared to a battery. So, so a battery is not like a power plant because it's not you know just selling electricity. It's both buying and selling electricity, but it also has a very limited um, you know duration, like we talked about before. So, you can only if you can only charge two hours, and you think now it's like like electricity prices. Let's say they're like ten dollars. Ooh, maybe I want to charge the battery, but what if they they fall to like five? Then I should uh, then I should wait to charge. Uh, but then what if like they spike up to to 30 should i discharge and like so how much charge do you want in your battery at any given time um is a super complicated decision and and how confident are you in projecting the forward prices over like a five minute interval to to take advantage of these price swings because like you you can charge or discharge like in very short amounts of time um but like the logic of of when should you be charging versus discharging is is like is way more complicated, and then if you layer on top of that, the fact that like, uh, not only am I trying to like maximize like my my buy low sell high decision, but I also don't want to get a penalty if I don't have like the frequency control like like happened in Australia. So like you've got to got to make sure that you've got enough kind of like juice to handle extreme grid events that you can't forecast. Um, uh, so so like the the it's just a really complicated um, problem that frankly like the existing um, like, like logic in, in like marketing operations, market facing, uh, like, like software that I use and and service providers that I use back in my time, like they, they couldn't really do this. Uh, and, and even when we were modeling the battery, um, uh, that, that we added to our wind farm, I was talking about this problem to, to like the, the, the principal engineer on the project, who was like the one kind of making the final decisions on like, which software would we go with and all that stuff. And I was like, don't you want, something that's like a little bit more capable of like handling the nuances of how batteries are different. (laughs) He's like, well, well, like generally prices are like, you know, lower overnight. So we'll charge the battery overnight and we'll, you know, discharge it. it." And I'm like, like, then if you go forward with that, then the economics that I modeled in my financial model are not going to pan out because you're not, you don't have a mechanism to take advantage of these like micro swings that really add up over over the the, the, the the battery. So anyways, auto bidder, uses like machine learning and like super uh, like re- aggressive, like real time calculations. Like I was never like every once in a while i look at real time prices, but you've got like emails to check. You've got meetings to do. You can't be monitoring real time prices all the time. It's just completely, um, impossible is it is it
0: a good analogy like maybe like for like a layman like me is it a good analogy to like put it against like you know like the high frequency trading platforms for stocks you know how there's like algorithms that kind of figure out how to want to buy and sell a stock based on short-term stuff would you make that comparison to this like i've
1: never thought of that but that that is a great analogy so like if like the old way of doing business is like you you like buy and hold right so like you you've got like one like sale decision a day so like the for the natural gas plants for example you would you'd say all right well the 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 cost of gas uh for tomorrow we just got the quote in at four o'clock and it's four dollars so we're gonna make that bid and then we can go home because our decision for tomorrow is done and like the market is like we'll find out tomorrow morning which hours were dispatched and then we'll just like the control room will handle the dispatch like it's like okay we're gonna get dispatched from eight in the morning to two in the afternoon and so like the guys in the control room physically like handle the you know the the controls to say all right we're gonna we're gonna you know bring the plant down then um but like this is the money is made in extremely short intervals on battery to to your point like like Mm -hmm. even even if prices are generally rising up to 2 p.m maybe there's like a, a a pattern of like a like I don't know 50 cent drops along the way. So maybe you can like, you know, like make very small kind of like incremental, um, margin on, on doing stuff like that. So, so like, and that's where if, if the internal rate of return on these projects is super tight, that's, that's, what's going to push it over the edge. That's, what's going to make it like not cost effective to like, actually, okay, this is, this is super cost effective. Um, so it's super important. And like, this is like AI, absolutely, you need AI, you need like machine learning, you need real-time market data, you need like this is super complicated decision-making process um, that is like only makes sense to do for like like in an AI type of setting. So um, I'm not super up to date on like what other competitors offer something like this, but just knowing Tesla's AI chops, I can't imagine there's anybody that's like close to like putting the, t- the types of engineering resources and ML machine learning resources on, on this problem than, than, Tesla. Um, and it's, it's such a, a data rich environment. Like if you've ever looked into like a, a power plant and like the accompanying market data, there is so much data, like there's 8,760 hours in a year. And there's five minute intervals at each one of these price points for every single one of those wow. locational marginal prices. It's like you're optimizing for all this stuff and it's super data rich. And that's exactly what you'd want like to unleash, you know, AI on. So I, I'm really optimistic about this. Um, and and Tesla's going to have like an opportunity to, to like monetize this. I I think they actually get like a a cut of the revenues, uh, but we don't actually have a whole lot of details of of, like what Tesla's revenue is here. Like, um, in, in terms of like selling a subscription versus like sharing in the revenues. And I think each contract is different from what I've been able to tell.
0: So the interesting thing there is like, there's some parallels between sort of from an investing thesis of how Tesla, the car is, say disrupting legacy auto, which is one of the you know Tesla Bulls thesis is like, hey, this is a product that's just, it's not the same thing. It's completely different. It's a disruption to how things are done, both from a manufacturing perspective, the sort of uh, services and product that you offer to the customer, uh, full self-driving is a whole thing, right? It seems like there, there's a similar type of environment happening on the utility side that the combination of say Mega Pack and this uh, auto bidder, you know, software suite call it, is potentially doing on the energy side as well is that a sort of good way of thinking about it
1: yeah yeah no i, I think that's okay. that's fair yeah definitely
0: okay got it i didn't mean to derail you from you were going down the list of stuff and i, and I sort of honed in on the on the analogy there but if you keep going no no it,
1: it, sorry so, by the so way that, you're in a
0: roll, bro if i didn't have you today like my i would have just collapsed <laughs> this anxiety is crazy but I, i'm feeling much better go ahead and uh, yeah keep going keep going do what you got. Yeah,
1: so so uh, Cindy, if we, if we could pull up the, the 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 sheet again, we can we move on to the the, the um, software thing. We can go on to the next one. So um, where is so so yeah, this this kind of gets to what I was saying. Like the auto bidder, basically, it's if you if you scroll up a little bit. Sorry, Cindy. Um, the uh, um, but oh, where it, down 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 a little bit. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, oh no, down a little bit further. Oh, never, never mind. I, I, I apparently made up something that that I saw that wasn't actually there. So sorry, <laughs> sorry for having me do that. Um, so so Power Hub is is another software, and and this is um something that like all um grid assets, grid facing assets have to have what's called a SCADA system. So it's uh, supervisory control and data acquisition. So like literally every single power plant has this, and and so like on on the wind farm, for example. GE had all these turbines at, at our site. And, um, like you think of how much data there is, like, like the pitch of every single blade, there's three blades per turbine. And like, there's the pitch of that, uh, on every single turbine across the site, how much output is coming out? What is the frequency of every single, um, you know, generator? Um, you know, what's the voltage of your underground lines that are connecting the, the, um, all the different turbines? What's the, the output at the, at the meter? And, and like, that is just like probably one percent of the data that's Can you available. in that or a little bit? I,
0: I want to be able to see yeah, some of the text if you don't mind. Sorry, go ahead, Matt.
1: Yeah, and so so like um, just as like a what the analog analogy is, is to this is um, so like the GE also has these on on the natural gas side too. So so GE makes these like um, huge you know gas turbines that that generate electricity, um, and they're constantly monitoring these. And so I've heard some stories of. Like, there's some super random little data point about, like, I don't know, blade temperature in, like, the eighth row of these blades on a turbine or something like that, uh, that was showing some, like, strange-looking sign. Like, so GE called the control desk immediately said, you need to shut this plant down immediately because, like, otherwise it's going to blow up. <laughs> like, so, like, there, this is, like, the, the kind of... Um, software that that um you know has historically been used and so essentially this you can think of this of SCADA systems and of this power hub is it's like like a way to manage the physical performance of your of your asset so this information is available to the customer at all times to kind of like see okay how much how much energy is flowing is our voltage okay but tesla is also monitoring this all the time to make sure that like there's no critical fault that's going undetected so typically a provider of this service is going to have like a 24 7 um, like backup desk or desk that's like monitoring this stuff and we'll get kind of like automated, um, announcements. If like any, or, uh, yeah, if if any mega pack anywhere in the world, like is showing some strange malfunction, like they're going to know immediately. And so then that, that person can either shut it down remotely if the customer allows them to, or like call up the customer and say, Hey, like you've got an issue. It's either urgent or it's not, and you, you should look into it. So, so this is not like a particularly interesting product in my mind, but, um, you know, it's one that Tesla's is going to be able to um, certainly uh, make some money from. Um, and, and one of the things that's not on the software side, uh, but thinking about the value stream, is the the maintenance contracts. Uh, so, so when I was talking to to the folks at GE about how they were pricing things, they basically made no money on the margins, but they have what's called a long term service agreement where they're gonna, you know, maintain your equipment, whether it's a uh, you know wind turbines that need oil changes and that sort of thing, or whether it's gas turbines that need like an overhaul every couple of years. So you pay them a lot of money every year to like just like have that stuff covered, and and then if something blows up, it'll be under warranty essentially. And so um, they they made all their money essentially on the service side. What's interesting to me is that like Tesla potentially at least has 50% margin on the hardware side, but then we'll also have this like super high margin um, services business and software business on top of that. Um, so like, that's, that's like, if you're looking thinking about like, who are the, the comps of Tesla, like GE is a pretty natural one or like Siemens, cause, cause they offer both the hardware and the software, but Tesla's going to blow them away. I think in, in terms of both growth and profitability. Uh, so it's just. Like there really isn't a good <laughs> comp on the Tesla energy side, I don't think.
0: Is there anything remotely similar to this that any competitors offer that you know? Like is, is this just a Tesla
1: specific suite? Um well like the skate like everybody's gonna have a SCADA system. Um and everybody's gonna have like a, a grid facing management software. Um so like in that sense, they're like, like I like the the G or the uh, the Tesla SCADA system for example like I, I honestly don't think that's anything particularly noteworthy it's just it's pretty simple to be honest with you um and everyone's mm-hmm. gonna have that so I wouldn't really think that that's um like really impactful but the um like the the auto bitter thing is like really unique I think <laughs> right because that's that's yeah. like machine learning optimized so there, there might be some others that are starting to go down that route but like I, I just I don't have enough data of like how like efficacious is Tesla's offering versus you know competitors? Like if it. it'd be it'd be interesting if we had this data or like um, if a customer would like give you the the access of like imagine like you you run the Tesla auto bidder like at one site for a year and then like at a or, or even like. Split, like have two megapacks, one with Tesla auto and Roan with like a competitor running. Like, how different would those economics look? I, I have no idea. I would just assume that Tesla's is better because like the machine learning capabilities of Tesla, like the, the types of people that are making software in the energy space are not the types of people that are like experts in machine learning.
0: Mm. And that's one of those things where Tesla being vertically integrated potentially in both manufacturing and software could prove to be a very uh, fruitful endeavor for them because they have insight into the say legacy or um outdated ways of running the business that have a lot of inefficiencies and potential for say better economics that the you know that the utility in this case would be able to profit from and just be having that arm aside of the business and introducing this hardware in, in there that, with the battery and then they notice they're like holy crap look at all this opportunity from the software side that we could do because of how antiquated and manual the processes, you could, you know, this could be another discovery. Kind of similarly to with like, I feel like that's a good analogy for like full self-driving in the car. And again, full self-driving is not done yet, but you introduce the car and then you're like, holy crap, we can solve the driving thing with just software, <laughs> you know? Here's the energy side. Like here's the energy arbitrage slash, you know, a mechanism to store energy and, and deploy it quickly. And, you know, you know make some sort of a uh profit on whatever the economics are there holy crap the way that people uh you know execute these transactions between each other is crazy <laughs> literally yeah. they're calling up each other like it's fascinating how 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 tesla seems to be stumbling into some of these opportunities that got, got, got that could prove to be very fruitful in the long term and and it's um yeah you know yeah, it's fascinating well, to like, watch.
1: That was One of the things that was so surprising to me going into the energy space was just like how dumb like these systems were. Like when, when I first started, it was like right before smart meters got installed. So like if you had a thousand customers lose power, the utility had no idea like they they could see that their system level load was slightly lower but they had no idea that you lost power let alone like where you were so like they actually relied on people calling them to say hey i live at this address and i've lost power and so then they say oh i didn't know we had a power outage so then they'd send the crew to go out and be like okay so how big is this power outage and then they got try to find the spot so like now we're a little bit better because we've got these smart meters so you've got real-time data out in the grid to say like okay we know in real time that these customers are out but like This was a development like from ten years ago, (laughs) which is crazy, crazy that like they were that much in the dark. And so like they're they're like modernizing. I I just lost.
0: Oh, I lost you there for a second. Go ahead. I lost like two seconds.
1: Yeah. So so they're modern, but to me, it's like they're where they should have been in like nineteen eighty five or something, something like that.
0: Yeah, to me it seems like, and 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 um, did you did you have anything else you wanted to hit on that software page? Because I, no, I, mean, I mean, yeah, I'll
1: just like very quick. We don't even need to bring it up, but like the other the other ones are like um, microgrid controller. So, and and if you have like, a, let's say you want to defect from the grid, or like there's a community that, or like in Puerto Rico where you you're managing solar and like um, a, a couple of resources, this microgrid controller can kind of like balance the the, the load with the battery. Um, so that's like one offering. They have this OptiCaster, which is kind of like auto bidder, but it's, it's for residential markets because those are that's an entirely different market. Um, so like you really need a different software and like a different set of rules and logic to, to optimize um, like a virtual power plants for like um, residential scale uh, stuff uh, or distributed energy resources. And then the last one, which I think is really interesting, is this virtual machine mode. So I was talking to you about like spinning reserves and how you can actually get paid if you have have this, you can, you can replicate that. If you have enough mega packs and like you string them together, then you can actually like synthetically create the, the same effect of the spinning reserve. So you can qualify for payments with this virtual machine mode. So it's just like really creative engineering and, and software, frankly, to put it all together, to enable access to these revenue streams, which are, you know, kind of small on their own, but like they, all these things. What they do is they give Tesla revenue stream, but they also make the customer economics more uh, viable. So um, it's just it's, it's pretty interesting. And I just want to kind of walk through those so people understood what the different software components were.
0: For sure. No, I think I think that the, the what's most helpful from this discussion, again, believe it or not, we're almost two hours in, which is kind of wild. And this was like this was you at 95 percent talking, which is like insane. <laughs> <carried> basically. <laughs> no please this is this is amazing i think i think what's great about this discussion that i'm learning um is that not just the how this could impact tesla but the economics as a whole like wh- what does it mean to be a utility like what are sort of some of the challenges what are the mechanisms how does it work where are some of the where, the, where would these opportunities fit in it's just been like this sort of Two hour education that you've so like. Thank you so much for taking the time because I'm, I know. Uh, I think I think we're very lucky that you're somebody that has a lot of knowledge but then you're also like so good at articulating it and and just dumping us with all that knowledge that's easy to understand from from a you know pretty you know it's who nobody nobody' it <laughs> like who does this kind of research on utilities you know it's a very legacy business it's been around for a long time and there's a potential disruption here that you're helping us sort of bridge the gap between you know what's what the UI the way it used to be done and the way it could be done moving forward uh implementing these batteries and sort of the software in between. So uh, I do want to thank you. And uh, can I have you for like uh, 15, 20 more minutes? Yeah. Is that is yeah, that okay? Sure. So what we'll do is we'll do a q and uh, I definitely want to make sure that folks that uh, have questions, and since we have uh, an expert on board, uh, we can have uh, him answer as many questions as possible. However, for those that are on Spaces, this is going to be difficult because we are also on YouTube Live and Spaces and YouTube Live, uh, un- unfortunately, don't play well with each other. So this is the compromise we're going to reach. Uh, I've pasted a uh, link at the top of the space, which is th- what the current YouTube live that's going on. And producer wife uh, is right now going to ping the comment section for questions. And so if you do want to ask a question, go on there, post a question and type question before your question. Sorry for saying questions so much, but that's just what it is. And uh, producer wife will bring up uh, the question on YouTube live. And we'll also address them here on uh, spaces as well as we go through it. So, um maybe we'll you know as producer wife gets those together and when we start going through them um any sort of uh summarizations of your thoughts that you've gone through like what is at the at the highest level what's the thing great job matt couldn't agree more um what's the thing that really sticks out to you as the thing that people should follow here in the short term like what should people be looking for from Tesla, as in respects to the Megaback business and how it could impact their earnings and how it could impact the industry, like what's the thing that really comes to mind?
1: Yeah, I mean, like if, if we're talking the short term, then then frankly, it's it's all the stuff that you know zero, zero sum and uh, JP. Sorry, sorry, I'm botching it again, but like the 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 ramp and, and the profitability of of those, like like that's what's most impactful. Um, I think is we're probably going to see like some modest improvement in, in Q4. Uh, But what I think is going to be really like, what, what I think would be really helpful is if Tesla actually confirmed some of this stuff. Cause right now it's all like um really great digging from the Tesla community, but Tesla themselves have been entirely silent on this whole thing. So like a good part of, of me is just like, don't get optimistic about this. Cause like, like maybe we're just making this all up as an opportunity. I don't think that's true after, you know, digging into all the details, but it it at least seems strange that Tesla has been so silent on this. If it is the kind of magnitude of opportunity that we're talking about in, in the short term. Um, so, so what I'd be really looking forward to on this, this call, uh, in, is it two weeks? I think, um, is, Mm -hmm. is like, to what extent do they, do they verify any of this, uh, you know, this information around the ramp or, around you know, margin potential, um, so, so that's that's definitely what I'm you know looking forward to most urgently.
0: Nice, yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, for me, for somebody that's been waiting for the Tesla Energy story to sort of like really come to fruition and start being a, a bigger part of of Tesla's earnings potential. It just feels like it you know I, I keep saying this this it's 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 time. It's time. It's time. But now with Lathrop coming online and sort of uh some of the variables that are that we've talked through it just it does seem like this will become a story in 2023. It, like again, it, it we can definitely debate how long it might take for this to truly become a a, a big story for the investing community specifically to take note of. But it does seem like we, we're on the precipice of something. So we'll, yeah. we'll see how big or small it is. Um, perfect. All right. So let's get into Q&A. Again, if you're on spaces and you like to ask a question, uh, the compromise we've come up with since both platforms don't play well with each other is I have a link at the top of the space you can click on, which is the YouTube live that's going on now. You can post a question in the comment section. And, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and ask some questions. And let's pull up the first one. And we'll go from there. From Jim Wood. Question. Do you see ISOs and maybe let us know what ISO means. Do you see ISOs adopting batteries to optimize overloaded power lines or will that fall on the consumer producers? Um, what do you think?
1: Yeah, so and that's I step um, away for 30 seconds. So ISOs are the the, the grid operators. I, th- I think it stands for integrated system operator. Um, so, so maybe just taking a, a quick step back for everybody, like to understand who the different players in this market are. So there's like the utilities and the people that actually generate the power. And then there's the the regulators, which are in charge of like you know setting the utility return on equity that I was talking about earlier. Uh, but then the ISOs are a separate nonprofit organization that that's in charge of balancing the grid. So like uh, essentially um, publishing the real time prices, the day ahead prices, um, you know, make, handling auctions for things like capacity, um, and essentially ensuring that the grid functions and that. Um, There is an equilibrium between supply and demand. That is the role of ISOs, um, which are the majority of the United States. There are some regions where like the utility itself manages the grid. Uh, But for the most part, in in most regions, there are ISOs, which, which, you know, handle uh, balancing the um, supply and the demand. On the electric grid. Uh, so, so with this question, do we do you see ISOs adopting batteries to optimize overloaded power lines, or will they fall on consumers, producers? I mean, th- this gets to like, what's the most economic thing? That's what the ISOs are supposed to to handle. Is, um, you know, will like if there's an overloaded power line, you could either like add some some transmission or distribution to that line uh, to, to kind of enable it to handle more load, or you could um, you know, add a battery or add some, you know, additional generation or something like that. So, um, like that, but that's like not necessarily the ISOs role. Um, that that's more like the, so there's a whole set of different regulated entities that are, uh, like regulated for handling the transmission of, uh, like battery or of, of of electric transmission lines. Um, so like these entities all have to kind of work together. And so like, if there's a, you know let us say that there's an issue identified with the ISO and they do one of these like capacity studies. The ISO might just say like, if you want to add this power plant here, which is a new incremental asset, then you need to pay us five million dollars for you know grid update upgrades or something like that. What will end up happening in practice is that entity which would have to pay that for 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 the for the you know grid updates and grid upgrades and hardening, will say, okay, well, I can either pass that on to my customers or maybe I can add a battery for two million dollars it it should alleviate this problem and then I can just, you know, use that lower cost option and get that approved by my regulators. Um, so, so that's kind of uh, how that would work. It's not necessarily that the ISOs will like make you do that. Um, it's um, kind of a, a process of doing these, these grid studies.
0: Perfect. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Jim. Uh, let's do the next question.
1: Uh, Donald uh, but, Kenning. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I was going to say the, the last part of that question I didn't really address is like, whatever the cost is, oh. it's going to go to the consumers anyways. That was the last part. Like, like they're, all these entities are just going to pass the costs on. I mean, they're all small. So like in any individual instance, you can't even tell the difference. But um, all of this just gets passed on to the consumer.
0: Thanks. Uh, Donald Kenning, question. Do you think Tesla will eventually buy many of the utilities? No.
1: No. So like I can't imagine a bigger culture shock than like all these. So there was this guy I used to work with. Um, and he would say like... He, Like he was just so sick of working with Doug's like, what are you talking? Like, like, what do you, what do you mean? Doug's he's like, Oh, you know, dumb old utility guys. Just like people who can't think. like, (laughs) it's kind of, it's kind of like the Elon equivalent of like NPCs, but there are these, like all these people in these organizations and like, they're great people. So I don't want to denigrate them, but like, they're not like cream of the crop kind of people. And, and like, so like, they're not super forward thinking, like, and they don't see any of these, like, trends that are coming and, like, the disruption that's coming. Like, they think they're fine. Like, utilities are a safe industry in, in their own mind. Um, so, like, the culture alone is reason for them not to do this. Um, but I also think, like, they don't – Tesla doesn't want to be a regulated utility, I don't think. Where where I think Tesla um, would be more interested is, is like, being – um, a decentralized player. And this is something that, that we didn't talk about a lot. I, I, I'd encourage anyone to, to watch my Tesla Energy 101 video from SparkSpread if you want to learn about like, why decentralized is so important compared to centralized generation. Um, but like, Tesla, like, the way to undercut utility costs is to go decentralized kind of behind the meter like I was talking about. So, But the, the problem with that is it's very hard to get paid for the value that you're providing to the grid when you're behind the meter. Um so I think the way to go is to like um go hard on on like s- uh, selling these distributed energy resources and then if they we're going to acquire somebody in this space I think NLX is actually this this company ENELX they're like masters at like relationships with all these different ISOs and regulators um and they specialize in essentially aggregating distributed energy resources to me that would be an amazing acquisition if Tesla made that because then like, like Tesla's doing this thing in Texas now, which is great, but like, it's not scalable. So, like, once you do this thing in Texas, you need to have a completely different market structure. When you go to California, when you go to New Hampshire, like, when you go to like the SPP, Southern Power Pool, like, the what you can get paid for and how you need to like register to get paid for that is completely different in every geography in the United States, let alone in the world. Um, so, like, a company like NLX, which already has these pre existing relationships and understands the market dynamics and could really speed up, you know, your getting paid on distributed energy resources, to me, that makes a lot more sense as an acquisition than just like buying a bunch of utilities.
0: Got it. Makes sense. Shout out Doug's. Thank you, Donald, for the question. Next question. Uh, from Alex Kimberly question, Can you discuss the profit per kilowatt hour between the mega pack Excel and the vehicles? Uh, there are those that say mega packs flipped vehicles yeah so, so we we cover this quite a bit at the beginning of the video um where we think there's a lot of margin potential because of uh there's sort of this large gap between what we think tesla's uh cost per kilowatt hour is versus well how much they're charging for it but maybe a, a high level summary and then a lot more detail at the beginning alex uh, of the video whenever you have the chance i would highly recommend it but uh maybe uh yeah what do you think matt
1: yeah. I mean, I, I was just, so a lot of the things I've seen on on Twitter are like, you know, that uh, there's 70 times more profit or something like that in selling a mega pack compared to a, a car. And it's like, well, that you completely ignore the scale at that point. And, and I don't even think it's a necessarily an important distinction anyways, now that you're not sell constrained, like you want both to be as profitable as possible. Uh, but like the, the rough math I was just doing is like, if you assume the car does 15,000 in, in gross profit, at um, a 75 kilowatt hour pack, that's $200 of profit per kilowatt hour, uh, which is pretty comparable to the to the profit levels that we were talking about. So so I would say, you know, they're both roughly comparable. Great. On, on uh, a kilowatt hour
0: basis, anyways, dollar per kilowatt. Yeah. Next, uh, next question. Thank you, Alex. Uh, from Feltrain S. Question, have you broken down total LFP supply from BYD, uh, CATL, et cetera, to figure out how much of it is going to potential mega slash power walls? How do you think about this?
1: Um, so CATL has been building a ton of LFP lately. Um, this is something that's not completely up my my expertise. I know like, you know, Jordan and, and some others definitely follow, you know, supply more closely than I do. Um, so I'd, I'd certainly kind of refer to them. But um, what, what seems very clear is that CATL has like a, it's not quite a glut, but like a lot more supply than than was ever available before. So that's what I, what I think is kind of enabling, you know, Lathrop to ramp and and probably ramp really, you know, efficiently. Um, if I were to kind of like steel man, like the bull case for 60% gross margins, like in Q1, it, it would be that um, like Tesla has always been cell constrained. And so it's not like the ramping was um, like the constraint for being profitable. It was, you know, the like not having enough cells to actually operate at capacity. So um that that is like completely gone as a constraint right now at least you know for the for the short term so um yeah it's uh it's it's a it's a big opportunity i think right now
0: thanks thank you feltrain let's do the next one uh from uh oh man Chan, chandranil that, sorry i'm
1: you know chakra I, Bortil. no Boti. chakra borti yes we tried. Sorry. That was question. L. Sorry. <laughs> if it was Chinese, I'd, I'd give a better shot. Shot.
0: Yeah. Come on, man. Uh, question. Are you worried that Tesla is uh, taking so long to produce their own batteries at scale? CATL and BYD seem to come from behind and get ahead quickly.
1: Um, what are you seeing? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, Tesla's um, in-house cell production capabilities are, are really focused on 4680, which is like a higher um capability higher performance cell um you know for automotive applications so like i've personally never been super concerned about you know how fast that that goes i know a lot of other people have but um to me it's like a small in change in the overall cost structure of, of cars so i haven't been like super concerned with it um but like what what tesla has been doing is like getting contracts with everybody like everywhere to get more cell supply um, so are they giving up a little bit of margin potentially by not doing it all in house? Yeah. Like is, is BYD scaling like crazy right now in CATL? Yeah. But the industry needs this. Like if, if we're going to get to one and a half terawatt hours, I think industry wide, the target was like 10 terawatt hours by 2030. Like we're not going to get there. I, like I, I, I'm very pessimistic. So I, I think this is an example of one of those spaces where like, we need everybody to like pitch in and like, I'm happy that CATL and BYD are, are ramping um and you know tesla is is ramping too um you know just not probably at that scale that they are on that one particular part of the whole kind of vertical integration process
0: so the the thought process is uh whoever makes the batteries it it, they will go to use like no one's batteries are going to go to waste yeah 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 Yeah. that's that's a good prompt to have as a battery maker uh thank you next one from v question who are the potential customers i.e. the total addressable market for megapack any um, any comparable companies out there what and then one one thing through this question that i want to i forgot to bring this up while i was having anxiety but now that i'm much better i can bring up this question because i completely blanked on it you look the, great. thank you my my caller came back the um the semi So I had Brian from Next Big Future, I think, is his publication. Mm -hmm. The Tesla Semi and the Megapack combination could be very interesting because the charging capabilities of the Semi, like you're going to it's going to be best to have a Megapack, say, at the sites where you're going to charge semis to, you know, have the have the energy and deploy it when somebody's charging. It seems like the Semi and the Megapack are almost coming in a pair. And that's one uh, use case for the Tesla energy thing that I thought of like, wow. So it's not just utilities where this is very useful. It's anywhere where you need to like just draw energy very quickly, you know, draw energy that's you're going to use for whatever application. In this case, the Tesla Semi would make sense. So like that's kind of where my head goes. Where where does your head go with this question?
1: Um, yeah, so I think that's definitely worth like a deep dive. And, and um, uh, Mad Manx on Twitter has done some really great threads on the potential for Semi and Megapack pairing and you know in, in fact i i've i reserve 21 cyber trucks and like what we was looking at like uh, uh like the cost i did like a really deep dive that's it just 21 like what <laughs> what's no. like what's the cheapest way to operate a fleet of of like of robo taxis i mean and it can just be like uh vehicles in general but like if you do the math uh depending on where you live like having a huge array of solar uh, with some mega packs and then, you know, having your, your fleet use case or your, or your site or your, um, uh, semi-truck, like using that, like that's, that's going to be the lowest cost of energy. Um, and so I, th- I think you're going to see a lot more of this over time. I mean, like they, they clearly are, are trying to satisfy their external customers first, um, before they, you know, start put, pairing these with like the superchargers and stuff like they said they were going to do. Um, But like that's if you do the math on it, it's like, yeah, that's an amazing opportunity. So like once whenever they get to the point where there's, you know, a match between supply and demand for mega packs, like they can continue to increase supply because they've got so many applications in house that they can they can make this work for very economically. So, yeah, it's like this is this is a huge market um, and it's going to continue to grow and it's supply constrained right now, which gives them pricing power.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like what are the, what are the addressable markets for a thing where you can have a battery? It's like, like, what where, where's an application where energy is used, is useful. Right. And I feel like, okay, that's literally anything. <laughs> yeah. So that's why that, that's kind of like the, 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 you know, how I'm conceptualizing this, this sort of, uh, yeah. And,
1: and you, you, think into like the future where Tesla has, you know, like solar on your house, uh, power walls, EV charging, and then like home HVAC system, and then they can optimize all that to provide the most value to the grid. Like, it, it's like, that's the way energy should be done. Like, that's the way we get rid of this, like, you know, this Doug system in this, you know, like 100 year old uh, industry that like doesn't know, like the like the way I could get into a whole other separate rant, which I won't because I know we're, we're, you know, short on time, but about how stupid <laughs> the, like your billing rate is as a customer where you get like two, to, like an on-peak and an off-peak charge. That is like so dumb, and, and so like if you could more intelligently manage in real time both your production and your consumption of electricity, like the benefits to society, the benefits to the economy are like massive. So I'm like, we got a long way to go before we get to that kind of like utopia. But I, I like, there's this thing that Chamathis talks about a lot about how we're going to be in a zero dollar marginal cost of energy future, yeah. um, and that's that's something very hard to grasp. And and it's like if if energy was free incrementally what what could you do with compute what could you do with like anything like like it's free energy is just like such a radical concept in terms of what other aspects of the economy that could unlock and so uh, like this is this is a really big idea yeah
0: and this for those that are not familiar chamath chamath is a uh, you know he's an entrepreneur sort of investment guy but he's also part of the all-in podcast uh, which airs most weeks um I think this was discussed a few podcasts ago, but I highly recommend checking out all in podcasts. This is where this notion of like close to zero energy uh, idea comes from. But it's it's all driven through the economics of the innovations that are coming through. That's going to allow for that type of um, uh, you know value for 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 anybody to be to take advantage of. And the battery the, that the battery piece is very integral in, in achieving that. Um, let's do a couple more. Next question. From airtime 89410 Question: Elon has said energy could be as big, if not bigger, than auto. Uh, auto. Based on what you know, can you predict when that could be? So, uh, use your crystal, your crystal ball, Matt, and look into the future. Uh, if if there is a chance for, for this happening, when do you think it would happen? Uh,
1: yeah. So you have to, for for this math to work, you have to assume that robo taxis aren't aren't part of the equation. Um, but that's easy enough to do. Um, so I actually went through this exercise on that Tesla Energy 101 video back in the, the Spark Spread days, and and kind of the, the conclusion that that I came to was that you know it's it's possible for for that to happen as soon as 2030, but kind of what I think is a more reasonable target is is like 2040. Um, and and frankly, Tesla has moved really slow the last two years uh, since I put that video together. So so I, I'd I'd certainly put a lot more weight to like you know 2035, 2040 sort of time frame. Um, but it's, it's huge. I mean, like that energy is such a bigger market than, um, than, um, auto, uh, and it's, it's more recession proof. So, um, it, like that's, that's where I think, like, if, if we're talking 30 years from now, Farzad, like that, we're going to be talking about Tesla energy and, and, well, there probably some like crazy AI thing we can't even think about, but like, in terms of yeah. like Hard assets in the real world. I think energy is going to be like way bigger than auto by you know in the really long term.
0: Agreed. Let's do uh, one more, and then we'll do uh, some closing thoughts. Darby Elliott, question: Mega pack in space, power ISS.
1: <laughs> um, what do you think? No. Uh. So super <laughs> heavy. Like, like there's a a reason you don't use you know batteries on on rockets because like getting. Yeah, heavy things to space is not super efficient. So you you want like generation and and um so you want like first of all like the the load for the international space station is is I don't I don't know what it is but it'd be nowhere near the scale of a mega pack. So yeah. um yeah. no like you want you want solar with like a little tiny bit of storage. You don't want like a mega pack in, in space. Yeah, but you don't on have Mars, cloud- sure.
0: Yeah, on Mars, yeah. You don't have clouds in space, so you know you want to draw as much of that solar power as you can, and yeah. Yeah, um, let's do one more. Thank you, Darby, for the question. Let's do one more. Uh, hopelessly optimistic—that's me. <laughs> great, great name. Question: uh, When will you get Rob Mauer as a guest? Oh my god! <laughs> uh, whenever Rob wants, Rob's welcome anytime. Uh, he's a—he's a busy guy, uh, and I've um, yeah, I've talked to him in person a couple times. Really nice guy. Yeah, Rob's yeah. welcome anytime. So if you watch this, Rob, hit me up. Let's make it happen. Um, hey, okay. everybody. Hey, hey everybody, Rob Mauer here. I, he's he's so great. And he's got like the perfect His, voice for it.
1: I know. Yeah. His voice is like, it's like a Pavlovian response to me now. It's like, I've heard <laughs> Hey everybody so many times. I'm just like, Ooh, this is gonna be good. All right. Yeah.
0: Hey everybody, Rob Mauer here. Oh my God. Here we go. Uh, Matt, thank you so much, dude. What a, what a, oh my God. What, what an insight, uh, into the Tesla energy. Um, yeah, I, this was huge for me because it's really, I know it exists, I'm curious to see when it's going to kick in. It seems like the variables are starting to line up for this to kick in. And your knowledge with the energy industry and everything it is really, really um, helpful to really give color into what sort of industry the, the Tesla energy is going into. And uh, this Doug expression is is amazing <laughs> that you came up with the dumb old energy uh, what dumb old utility guys right doug yeah yeah which is i guess uh, i didn't come up term. with it
1: i was yeah <laughs> like this guy thought i had heard that before apparently I don't, I don't know how well known that is with across the industry but yeah like i really is a thing like see talking to some of these people that are in positions of power i'm like oh Oh, yeah. like I feel bad for you.
0: <laughs> Shout out to anybody in the Twitter space or YouTube. Uh, we hope it's not offensive, but it's just it's just funny to me. Um, but yeah, any closing thoughts? Uh, give us uh, sort of your you know a summary, and then uh, we'll close us out.
1: No, no, appreciate the the conversation. I mean, you know, I think there's lots of good voices here, and you know, I just want to share some of my experiences. actually having used some of these types of assets before, and kind of, um, being on the the kind of utility like like. The perspective from somebody who would be a buyer of these products uh which is something i think we haven't heard a lot from in, in you know the, the tesla twitter community so hopefully that was that was helpful um yeah certainly check out our good soil investment management youtube channel i'm on twitter with a ridiculously yeah. long handle that doesn't make any sense but uh yeah we'll be <laughs> publishing this report from uh, halter ferguson too in a couple of weeks so look out for that
0: let me make sure I, I pull these up for folks that are on YouTube that uh, might not be familiar. So, th- and this is your your YouTube channel from a thousand years ago that you haven't posted anything to for a year, but there's some uh, very interesting content around Tesla Energy that Matt has done. Uh, Spark spread for those on Twitter Spaces. Spark spread. Uh, we'll post a link t- to that in the replies as well. Actually, if somebody could do that, that'd be awesome. But uh, make sure you check that out. And then as well as Good Soil Investing Management, which is. Uh, the team that Matt and Emmett both have, which is a hedge fund that invests into uh, game, get, you know, game-changing technologies across multiple spaces, and then also on Twitter uh, at the weirdest handle of all time. I don't even know why he decided to do that, bro, but it's okay. We'll go with it. Uh, Where's his? Uh, can you pull up his Twitter, producer wife? I, it's the last link I, I put on the
1: on the chat there. Perfect. Uh,
0: at Matt Chat. How do you say that?
1: What'd you do? <laughs> i don't know so matt what i what i like to think is like matt chasm matt but it was just so when i had my when i was doing my mba m-a-t-c-h-a-s-m was like my email address and so i was trying to get a twitter account just to follow elon and it was like all the matt smith options were taken so i ended up with this weird <laughs> weird one farzad masbahi you've got like a super easy one although Farziness is pretty sweet so
0: yeah thank you yeah it's uh i don't have the problem you have where everybody's name is farzad masbahi so i was able to grab that like nothing Easy, easy, easy. <laughs> uh, thank you, everybody, in the comments. That I, this was honestly one of my favorite live streams we've done because it, it was so informative. The comment section was awesome. Uh, some really great information. Thank you to the mods. I, I, have, I'm, I feel so lucky to have the mod group that I have that's been, that posts uh, profiles and gives a lot of context into the, the discussion. And, of course, last but not least, um, thank you to Matt. And, obviously, thank you to Producer Wife for producing the show on YouTube Live. Thank you so much for the support and everything you do. And thank you to everybody on Twitter Spaces, Emmett <laughs> Peppers. I think of matcha green tea latte, latte for
1: a, uh, for a, uh,
0: that's what I think of too, like matcha, yeah. right?
1: Matcha comes SM Matt. I don't know what the SM yeah. though is like, matcha soulmate Matt. <laughs> yeah, there you go,
0: inseparable. But thank you everybody on Twitter. Thank you everybody on YouTube. Make sure you follow Matt Smith. Uh, he's the co-host right on the space for everybody on YouTube. Make sure you check out Matt. I think Matt, you're going to be a very big resource for us in 2023 as Tesla Energy ramps. So this might be just the beginning of your uh, of your very pr- uh, promising um, uh, sort of, uh, uh, I guess I don't know, a career, what do you want to call it. Like 2023 might be a big for- year for you, Matt. And, and I'm looking maybe I should have started your... Spark Spread right now. <laughs> yeah, damn it. You missed out on the algorithm, bro. But uh, yeah, thank you, Matt. Thank you, producer wife. Thank you, everybody on Twitter, YouTube. Appreciate y'all. See you later. Bye-bye.